So I just had the little gurney, like the little gown. hospital gown with nothing on underneath it. No shoes, no clothes, gown, you know, nothing on underneath. Walk into the hotel room with like scrapes all over me, <laughs> sweat, drool, Sorry, hair all over the place. Scrape, no, it was hilarious. I'm shuffling in there by myself because Mike's going to get the car. So I didn't even have him to explain to the hotel people at the village, like why I'm coming shuffling in, looking like this, like a crackhead. And I'm like, literally like, okay. I'm like, I'm like, Hey, and I just walked right by them and just gave them a wave and just like zombied it to the, cause I was in so much pain. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 49 of the On The Runs podcast. We are back in person, as you can see right now. We are at Erica's house in her living room studio on this comfy couch. We have these pillows on our laps <laughs> to not hide our fat, but to prop the microphones up. That's what yeah, we use these for. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's it. totally mm-hmm. it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this, this angle on the couch really gives out, you know, some of my not-so-good features, I'm going to just use it as a microphone prop. It's perfect, man. It's yes. perfect. How are you? It is good to be back in person. I agree. After you've had nothing but sick children and just busy life. Traveling Travel. and on the go. Mm-hmm. And it has been crazy the past few weeks. And I'm glad we're in person today, even though it's a little harder to do the Riverside virtually with others. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to be in person. High five. We're back. Yay. Episode 49. How have you been? I've been good. I've been a little bit busy myself, not even close to as busy as you. But uh, yeah, this past weekend was full of running and races and friends. That's right. Good. You had a great weekend. I was jealous. I'm I did. Sorry. Get, I did fit in some skiing mm-hmm. and I saw my sister, Hannah. By the way, let's just get it out of the bag right now. Shout out, Hannah. You're the best. Hannah is our newest Patreon or Patreon, as we Patreon. call it. There She's our go. newest Patreon. You're wonderful, Hannah. She Thank jumped you. on board. So <laughs> she called me out. She goes, you haven't given me a Patreon shout out yet. And I'm like, I did. No, I guess we didn't. You're right. But it, I want it to come when we're together <laughs> because we had you went to Japan. So Hannah is our newest yeah! Patreon. Thank you, Hannah. <laughs> Keeping in the family there. If you want, you can uh, support us on Patreon. And you just go to patreon.com slash on the runs and you can give us $4. But no one has to do it. The podcast is still free for you. I, why do I keep pointing at the... <laughs> See, we, we're looking at the, the computer screen and we can't figure out whether to look at each other or look at the like, screen. Like what do you look camera, at? So. I, I, Ricky Bobby, I, I don't know what to do with <laughs> my hands. I'm just going to look like this way in between. So uh. it looks like I'm kind of in between. <laughs> Oh man! Well, tell me about your weekend because you had quite you you ran quite a bit with a lot of our penguin friends. Yes! Oh my god, I had a blast this weekend. Um, I did the Shamrock Half Marathon Relay with our good buddies Karen, No Insta Shauna, and we met up with Tori and Jen from the Penguins as well. So actually, and Aaron because uh, Tori's husband showed up with. Uh, did he run? No, he didn't. He did the shuffle the next day, I believe. Okay. But he came up and he supported Tori and all of us and. We had a nice little lunch. We do wish you were there, but 
Well, I no, got you had what, I was, birthday I was, parties. Well, three. Oh, yeah, three. Do you want to hear about them now or tell you about the race? Let me. Well, let me put it this way: thirty-second mm-hmm. birthday party uh, thing. Mm-hmm. Adeline went to one. It was at Royal Kingdom. Okay. I took the boys to another one at some play place in Wyndham. I actually, the place is really nice. Mm-hmm. Like it's too nice for kids. Kids <laughs> are gonna destroy work? it. I don't know how they keep it clean. <laughs> I realize I know the the owner. Her name's Allie. Oh, cool. She went to Plymouth State, mm. and then um. One of my nieces, Ashley's niece, had a birthday party, mm-hmm. wanted to do her 18th at our house with her friends. She kicked me, the boys, and Adeline out. How does that work? We had to go to my mom's <laughs> house and spend the night, and my sister was there. It was nice. It worked out. Uh-huh. But yeah, she didn't want the kids around. She'd be like, you know, a bunch of 18-year-old girls there, 18, 17-year-old girls. They don't want like two-year-olds running around chasing them and everything, and Adeline hmm. thinking she's a teenager. Do So we got kicked out of the house. I got kicked out of my own house so Ashley just, could host just a birthday a thought, party. thought, maybe not host an 18-year-old's birthday party uh, at your house no, next No, Ashley time. <laughs> hosts every one of her niece's birthday parties. It yeah. happens all the time. And at least this one, this one is, they don't listen, but she's my favorite. Oh, okay. She she secret. came to the house early and cleaned it and left it clean. The other ones come and they destroy the place and they leave it destroyed. I still have things from the summertime for this other birthday party. Mm-hmm. I still have these fold-up tables of theirs and they're mine now like they're not getting them back but <laughs> finders keepers fi- yeah uh-huh. but oh man well, i i clean up all I'm their glad she was respectful about she it. she is she is great and she's gonna go to hair school so she can't do anything for me but <laughs> if you ever need something she can do it for you uh, i might need to um danielle's sister cuts my hair and it's yeah very but she lives in rhode between. island yeah but she comes up here to do it yeah but i'm what getting if, one next week what if she's oh, not so in the area and you need one desperately uh, Call me. I got your girl. All right. All right. Yes. I'll consider it. That goes to everyone else on the podcast who ha- needs their hair did. <laughs> your hair did. Okay. <laughs> good, good call. Tell me about, uh, so how, how did Saturday go? How was, you did the relay. Yep. Relay went well. Um, I guess that we actually placed second in the female relay team Category. Not a big deal. Uh, Karen, who is super modest, <laughs> we love you, Karen. Uh, she's like, oh, I'm going to shoot for eight, eight fifteens. She did like a seven seventeen average, beast mode. This yeah, one, yeah. yeah. I she's expect got a lot coming up this summer. She does, and she is working for it. Yeah. So she's going to do fantastic in all of her races. Yeah, especially you know, there's, trans Rockies. There's only one mm-hmm. thing I'm better at than Karen. There's something that. She... <laughs> okay, it's, tell me. I'm, it's I have skiing. To know. Oh. But she's my new ski buddy, and I push her. I push her limits okay. on the mountain. Oh yeah, okay, and it's fun. Right. She keeps up. She she does everything I do, and I'll be like, "Hey, let's go down this trail or this take this backcountry trail." You sure I can do it? Yeah, you can do it. All right. Yep. Well, videos next time or it didn't happen. They got some, but okay. <laughs> Good to know. But yeah, Sunday was awesome. We had the uh, Eastern States Twenty Miler, who actually our next guest was actually there, and she did quite well. We can talk about that later. She did really good. She did really good. But uh, I got to see uh, OG Mr. Hype Man Dave. I didn't know he was going to be there. You must have. Oh, we've been talking. Yeah, we were planning this. So yeah, he slid into your DMs a long time ago. <laughs> He's such a good buddy. But uh, he, he kept me company the whole time. Um, I kind of ran away at one point, but like he stuck through it. Uh, I think I only beat him by like 10 minutes, if that, like less than that. But he did fantastic. Like he is going to be ready for Boston. Yes. This is his last long run, almost to Taper Town. Yes. Mm-hmm. I got some exciting news for everyone. This is news to Erica too. Mm-hmm. We're going to have some big time Boston content coming. We got, okay, so next week's going to be our big 50th episode. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. After that, we're going to, it's the week before Boston. We're going to give you two episodes that week. 
two episodes. Two episodes. Okay. All right. Yeah, I only I only knew about one. The following week. Uh huh. I think we might do like it. It's not really live, but it's going to kind of be a live show. Okay. And we'll have those details when we talk to. I know exactly what you're talking about. So the following week, we'll do a little Instagram live at Boston when we go. But a couple days later, there'll be no podcast that week, Uh but there'll be the live show that we'll put out after everyone goes. We'll have details on that later. You guys are going to love it. That's stay tuned. Stay tuned for that. But yeah, I hope the acoustics are going to be two episodes (laughs) that week because we are actually recording an episode tonight. Mm-hmm. Of a guy running in the Boston Marathon, and I want it to come out before the Boston Marathon. Okay. So we got those two big episodes with the two big Boston people. Mm-hmm. It'll come out that week. Awesome. So, yeah. so looking forward to it. All you right. guys should too. <laughs> All right. So tell me about yesterday's race, the 20 miler. All right. So it started off a bit of a doozy. The shuttle buses wound up getting a little lost and we showed up a little late. I think we had a half an hour until start time. They must have been using Apple Maps and not Google Maps. (laughs) Those iPhone people. I cannot confirm nor deny that, but (laughs) it was it was kind of a mess trying to get to the start. Um, And of course, the bathroom lines, once we get there, we're just out of control. They had like eight porta potties for 500 people. Like we're like, what's going on here? Well, What's the math? One porta potty per 75 people? Something like that. Right? Okay, let's see. Let's do some quick math here, everyone. I We're, mean, that might, the numbers might work, but people were How many were just... people were there? 500? <laughs> I, I'm just estimating. 500 divided by eight. We're going to use that. That would have been 62 and a half people. Well, people were just taking their sweet ass time then. And we're like, we have 10 minutes before. And we had to walk to the start line. It was I, maybe a good. Like, I don't agree with one porter potty per 75 people. I think it should be one porter potty per 25 people. Yes, but they're expensive. But mm-hmm. when you buy more, you get a deal. It's like it's expensive <laughs> for one, but not that much for two and not that much for three. You would hope you'd get some deals, but who knows? Maybe because of the bu- the business aspect, you got to clean them and it gets a little messy. It's, but a, who it's, knows? A, it's a crappy job. It is a crappy job, quite literally. But um, yeah, they even mentioned that uh, if you're still in the porta potty line, uh, we're going to keep the start line open for an extra ten minutes. So you had a ten minute window. You had to cross the start line by eleven uh, ten, or else uh, there was an issue with the drawbridge. Like you were going to get stuck on the oh, wrong no way. side. Ah. So um, I actually started the race. Um, Dave and I started maybe like three or four minutes after <laughs> after gun time. So I mean, day was nice though, probably in the fifties. But then mile seven ish, you get closer to the coast, and the wind just would smack you right in the yeah. face. It was really rough Blows. at times, <laughs> to, to say the least. But this one was bad. Uh, I was having a, a real hard time. Like It was at the point where you had to kind of like bend over to cut the wind. My mm-hmm. PR half marathon, it's it's one of the ones in Hampton Beach area in the fall. Smutty Nose? Yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, I love that yeah, one. I probably would have been a minute faster Solid 30 seconds faster, I'm if not a minute, you, yeah. but the last 5K was all headwind. Mm-hmm. Maybe more. Yeah. Maybe it would have been a lot faster. I'll have to go back and look at the data. But. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was pretty rough, though. I Everyone who I've seen, like, their Strava data was just complaining about it. So. Did you pay for Strava? Um, I have in the past, but I don't think I'm renewing it this year because it went up like 20 I, bucks. That's exactly the point. Yeah, I saw I it know. went up and I will, I think I'm not going to renew it. Mm-hmm. 
but I will when I need the data again, and that would be Ironman training okay. when I sign or the next first big race, or maybe when I hire Nicole, the running coach, and mm-hmm. want more data. Yeah, I still have my year until like the end of March. No, no, May, I think. So, I, yeah, it was yeah, it was I a good that. race though. I finished like two minutes faster than previous years, so I had a course PR. Yeah, I'm just happy to be done with it. Congrats on the PR. High five. Messed up my mind. All right. So someone else was there. Yes. She is our next guest. And she crushed it out there. She's wicked fast. Yep. I believe she was fourth female. Did I see that right? Yes. Overall. Fourth female overall. Yeah. 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 Badass girl Mm -hmm. who just about eight months ago broke her back. She had a comeback story. That I've never believed, I've never seen before. It's, it's, she's absolutely incredible. It's pretty epic. She mm-hmm. is a badass triathlete and a badass runner. She made some news recently in January locally because she's from Salem. Yeah. And she won a pretty big race that everyone talks about. I say, let's get to our interview of Katie mm-hmm. and you guys can hear the story about the crash that broke her back and the comeback of the ages. I was going to say something to do with Mickey Mouse, but okay, cool. Come back at the H's with Mickey Mouse and Minnie wearing the Mickey and Minnie ears. Let's go. Everyone, enjoy our interview with Katie. I don't know why we keep high-fiving. It's because we're looking at each other. It's fun. I missed you, dude. Enjoy the interview with Katie, and we'll see you guys on the other side. Our next guest on the pod is a local runner from our community. She's completed in over 60 different Ironman events, including two trips to Kona. Most recently, she had a bad accident at Ironman Mount Tremblant 70.3 that put her on the sidelines for a while before making her big comeback and winning the Walt Disney World Marathon just seven months later. It is our pleasure to welcome Katie Carjulo. How are you? And thank you for joining us. How do you pronounce your last name again, Katie? Let's hear it. Carjulo. Yeah. A lot of people mix that one up. Don't worry about it. I got Honestly, one. I'm super stoked to be here. I got one of those <laughs> last names too. And uh, people who listen to the pod know I have a hard time with some last names. So it is it is nothing new for me, but uh, super happy to have you joining us on the podcast. Oh, I'm super excited to be here. I mean, nothing nothing I'd rather talk about than like swimming, biking, running and running even more. So <laughs> Yeah, that's perfect because that's what we're here for. And just from that short little bio, I am super stoked to get to talk to you. I mean, you just sound like an excellent athlete, and I can't wait to hear what stories you come up with. (laughs) So, so let's get started. Let's break the ice. You are from Salem, New Hampshire. You're local. You're one of us. Mm -hmm. So i I've lived here for the past um, seven, eight years, seven years, seven years. Yeah, I'm originally from New York. Um, so like down by the city. So Westchester County, New York, I did go to Keene state. Oh, that's where I swam at Keene state. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I graduated from Keene state and then I actually moved out to Utah for 10 years. Well, I moved to New York, then I moved to Utah for 10 years. And then I met my fiance and I moved back here and he lived in Salem, but I have family from around here. So it wasn't totally foreign to me, you know, and I've always loved New Hampshire cause I went to college there and just, you know, and I'm happy to be a, a local now and representing New Hampshire for sure. So, what was it yeah. that attracted you to Keene State? Erica and I, we went to Plymouth State together. And so the only two schools oh, I nice. applied for was Plymouth and Keene. But I was Plymouth was number one for me. What was it that made Keene number one for you? Well, I got in. <laughs> 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 um, no, I mean, 
I, you know, I mean, I came from a pretty competitive high school as far as grades went, and I was sort of at the bottom of the barrel when it came to there. But um, I think King State's a great school. It's just, you know, I had a couple choices. It was like Oswego, King State, and um, I can't even remember where else I got in. I think I got in um, Roger Williams in Rhode Island, but... Um, once I came to visit Keene and saw like the scene in New Hampshire, I always New England's so beautiful. And I'm, I really picked the right school for me because the people are like totally my style. I feel like once I got here and was like, you know, acclimated to changing out in New York and becoming friends with everyone at my school, like everyone from New England, like it was just more my vibe than New York. I feel like, yeah. So that's pretty much yeah. why I chose like the the smaller school up in, well, Plymouth is way up there. I, I don't know, <laughs> it's kind of nothing nothing around except skiing. But yeah, yeah, Plymouth is a great we used to race school. Plymouth and, and swimming. Yeah, that's cool. Did you? Did you, Did you guys beat us? <laughs> you were our biggest rival, I think, in swimming, and so it was always back and forth. I think. Hmm. Between us, I can't really remember. It was so long ago. Kind of shocked like, to hear that I knew nothing. <laughs> I knew nothing about the swim team. <laughs> Yeah, so yep, Plymouth <laughs> State was our biggest rival. Yep. When did you get into swimming then? Because if you swam in high school and college, you must have started at a younger age. Yeah, so I started swimming on like a summer team when I was like six, and then I started swimming on a winter team when I was like on when I was ten. So I was swimming competitive from when I was ten all through you know like high school and everything like that. And um, I really wasn't going to swim in school like in college. But I was just in the pool, like just trying to get a workout in. And then the coach came up and was like, oh, like we're D3. Do you want to like join the team? And I was like, yeah, actually, I think that would be good for me. Like I love to work out. So I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do to fill my time anyway. And I didn't even know that your swim team was like in operation. Like I didn't even know they had a swim team. I was like, so I'm like, yeah, sure. And so I ended up um, swimming all four years and I was the captain of that team. And I, I loved it. It was fun. I did long distance events. So. Um, but yeah, it was a big part of my life, you know, all my life. So that was the main sport that I did growing up and everything. So Katie, this, this swimming thing sets you up perfectly for your future in triathlons. How did you originally start? So I moved out to Utah and I, um, was looking for, once again, I was looking for, I was about 26 and I was looking for something to fill my time, like as far as like a schedule, cause I was used to like the schedule of swimming and everything. And I was looking for something to fill my time. So I started running, um, just for fun. Like I always kind of liked to run a bit, but like nothing serious. Like I did track for a couple of years in high school, but like that was like the extent of any running I did nothing really long distance. And so I started running to stay in shape and I was doing like master's team out there for swimming just a bit. And, but then I got really into running. I signed up for a half marathon and as soon as I did that, I was like, wow, I'm really into running. This is awesome. I'm going to do a bunch of running races. So I started signing up for trail races and I got really into trail running and I was doing like a bunch of short stuff. And then I started doing like 16 mile, like steeplechases. And then I did my first marathon, which was a trail marathon was my first marathon where you run through all three, can- like these three canyons in Utah. And I love that. And then I was like, well, I want to do like a 50K. So I started doing 50K. So I did a couple 50Ks and that went pretty good. So I was doing a lot of trail running. I was like really into it. I was like heading to maybe do like a hundred miler. That's kind of where my brain was at. 
And then I had, I wait tables and I was waiting on one of my friends that I used to see at trail races and he was doing Ironmans. And we used to talk about running all the time. And then one day I just like had mentioned in passing that I was a swimmer and he's like, you're a swimmer. Like what? Like, especially if you swim long distance, like if you're a swimmer and you run these long distances, you should do an Ironman. And I was like, okay. So I signed up for a half Ironman. It was my first one that year. And then I... I didn't even have a bike. I didn't know how to bike. I didn't know how to clip in. Nothing. Didn't know how to take water. Nothing. <laughs> like I was a terrible cyclist. And um, clipping in I is bought one a thing. It's bike. clipping out. <laughs> yeah, clipping out. Yeah, exactly. It was just like I remember. Like I was with a friend of mine, and they saw me on the bike for the first time. And like, what are you going to do? Like, you sign up for a half. Like, you can't even turn. I couldn't turn around on a bike. Like I couldn't do the, (laughs) so that was where I was at in March and the race was in June. So I got it together. I put some clip on arrow bars, like on a road bike, um, that I bought and I did the Boise half Ironman and I did somehow I didn't, I remember I had one of those big, like Eric, you'll know about this because you've done an Ironman. I'm sure you've seen the, you know, the big, like water features in the front, like the old school, like profile. It was just like this big, like jog. It carried like 50 mil. It was a bunch of, liquid you could carry it was like super heavy and i just put one of those in the front so i didn't have to grab water from the aid stations and i just used i i just used that because i couldn't grab water from aid stations and i did i did pretty well in that race i think i went a 506 or like it was my first half ironman i went a 506 and i placed like seventh in the age and then i was like hooked wow i'm like okay six is so awesome. right after yeah, so did five oh six. Especially for not knowing how to ride but, uh, a bike. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I swam a thirty-two, I biked a two fifty-six or a two fifty-three, and I ran like a one thirty-seven. So this is just super impressive <laughs> as it is. <laughs> you skipped you skipped over like the sprints and the Olympics and like Oh I never did a I've never half, done a sprint to this but, day. Oh wow. I've still never done a sprint. And oh, I've probably really? done two I probably done two Olympics, have- <laughs> like in my life, uh, but I I knew I was going to be a long distance person because I really loved the marathon. Yeah, your half marathon. Yeah, your half marathon time was like so good. It's better than my. I've I, never I just done that I just well. I but you know you have it was like ignorance is bliss with this whole entire process for me because if I'd known what I know now, I would have never accomplished half the stuff. It was like all the ignorance, like thinking, oh, I can just do this. And now I'd be like, you can't just do that. Like, it's so hard, you know? So anyway, so I, I went and signed up for literally like right after that, I went and signed up for the half Ironman in Boulder and did that in August. And then I placed like fifth in my age there. And then I went, and then I got a ticket to the world championships in Vegas, You're good. which was really close to where I was living. <laughs> so that was like six hours away. So I'm like, wow. Oh, we can drive there. Not realizing that like, usually the world championships aren't right in your backyard, basically, yeah. you know, I'm just thinking, oh yeah, they're always in Vegas and this is totally normal. So we went there and I got my butt kicked <laughs> and that was my first season. I think I did one Olympic that year and that was, that was my first season. And then I did an Ironman the next, I signed up for an Ironman that fall and I did um, Arizona as my first one in 2012. I did that, that November, like the next November. So I did a bunch of halves and then I did that one in November. Where in Vegas was the half? It was in Henderson. Oh, I was just in Henderson. Did you swim in Lake Las Vegas? Yes, it was gross. 
Yeah, yeah. It really smelled like trash, though. Yeah, honestly, it was gross. To be honest, it oh, smelled no. like trash. It was pretty yeah. bad. But I did that race three times. I would go back there twice. And um, it one year I did it, it was so hot. It was 102. I mean, because it was in September. And so Henderson is pretty hot in September. It was like literally 102 mm-hmm. degrees. Yeah, so we biked through the the park. Like it was like, I don't know if it was Lake Mead Recreation Park. So it was just super exposed. Yeah. Um, really cool bike course. Like wicked hilly, just like I like hills. So it was hilly. It was nice, wide and open. I felt like it was like safe, you know. Um, I really liked that course except the heat. Even though I like heat, it was tough. The heat was very tough. Out. That was like brutal. Like wicked brutal. Well, but were you used to heat in Utah race. at the time? Was it? Is it hot in Utah? Yes. Okay. Very hot. Yeah. So in the summer, it goes from like snowing eight feet to like 105 degrees. It's like, you know, you don't really have a spring in a fall. It's a very desert like climate. Yeah. Um, so I was prepared for that temp, for that temperature, for that climate. But still, I was wicked. That, that was because, you know, triathlon is different than running a race because you're doing the run at the hottest time of the day. So, you know, you can prepare, you know, I, I would run in, in the middle of the day a lot, you know. So I was, I was used to that type of heat and that climate for sure. Definitely. Um, it, that definitely helped, you know. What an introduction to Ironman and triathlon. <laughs> right? Oh my God. Dude, it was crazy. I literally just jumped right in. I mean, just threw myself into it and was like, I'm in, I'm doing this. This is what I'm doing. My intro is watching a bunch of people do a sprint and saying, I think I could do this. And then, so I had the biking and the running down, not as fast as you, but my swimming was like your bike. I could barely swim. And I, you know, I started in March and the race was in June. I could barely swim a hundred without losing my breath. And then I talked myself into, well, I could, I could go a hundred free stroke and then a hundred backstroke and catch my breath. And then finally I figured it out, but yeah, I was like, I just don't, don't drown, don't drown. And then I thought never could I do a half never. And then all of a sudden I did a half and I signed up the next week for my first full, my only full at the time at the moment, but, um, there'll be more. Which one was that? I did. We did it together. Well, we didn't do it together. I did Mount Tremblant in 2019. And nice. You, I was there. Yep. Yeah, I had a good race. race there that year. Have you? So my, yeah, my first yep. half was uh, Old Orchard Beach. Okay. I've never done that one because, so I raced professional for six years and they have a thing where they only have certain races you can go to. Okay. So Old Orchard was out. Even though it's so close, I could never do it because they didn't have a pro field. But how did you become a so. professional? You like, couldn't even how, do it for process? fun. You, you just, do you have to like qualify or do you just at one point say, I'm going to be in, I'm going to go in the professional field. So you have to get your pro card. So you have to earn your pro card through the USAT, you know, sanction. And then through Ironman, you, you, you know, you prove that you have your professional card and then you can race in the Ironman races, but you have to like show them that or whatever. Um, but how I did it was so immediately when I started, I was like, I, I want to become a professional. This is like, you know, it was like immediately. I'm like, I just, this is my goal. I want to become a pro. So I found I had a really good group of friends that like took me in and showed me the ropes. And like, if it wasn't for them, I would have, I would be nowhere because they, I had like a guy that was coaching me for free. His name is Aaron Jordan. He's like an amazing cyclist, like super cool dude. He had a wife that was like, a phenomenal like cyclist as well. They both had done a bunch of Ironmans. They knew everything about it. They had a group of people they trained with and they took me under their wing and they, cause we were like all living in the same area and they like found out about me. They're like, Oh, there's someone else doing Ironmans. Cool. 
And so they took me under their wing. And so they told me, they kind of like, we had another friend that was going pro. So I kind of like followed what she was doing and kind of like followed her lead and like took a lot of advice from her and kind of just like absorbed all the info. Like I didn't, I just asked a lot of questions and absorbed. But so I kind of knew the path, which is basically you had, there's a couple ways to do it, but the way I did it was you have to place top three overall female in an Ironman sanctioned event that is um, a prize purse of $20,000 or more. So that meant like, it depends on the rate, you know, and you have to look up the races that are $20,000 prize purse. So I just set my sights on that. So like after those age group, you know, doing well in the age groups, I started to shoot for like the overall top three. And that was like my goal, but that happened pretty quick. Like I started in 2012. I almost made it to Kona in that race, but I got a bike penalty, which cost me four minutes. And I missed out on Kona by two minutes. So my first Ironman, I placed probably like, what was the bike penalty? Drafting or uh, a uh, blocking, Blocking. a blocking. Like I it was in Arizona. I came out and like, I didn't pass the guy fast enough within 20 seconds. They called me and I didn't know. And this is my first Ironman. So whatever, I don't know what's going on, you know? And so I was in Ironman jail for four minutes and then, you know, but I didn't, I wasn't too worried (laughs) because I'm just out there trying to do this thing and finish the thing, you know? And I did that Ironman in 1051. Mm -hmm. So I placed fourth. So that was good. But like they were given top two to the, for Kona. And, um, so I was like, I was like, I really want to shoot to try to get to Kona in my next Ironman. That was really the goal. And then the pro thing was sort of like simultaneous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I trained my, I, I basically from 2012 to 2013, 14, I trained my butt off. Like I was cycling with these people. I had no business cycling with, I would go out on rides for five hours and be like tearing up the whole time. Cause I was just chasing like up and down canyons like starting at 8,000 feet, going up to, I mean, just crazy things I had no business being on. I had no idea how to descend. I'd be like petrified every time I'd be out there. And I just kept going out there with them and just getting my butt kicked on the bike. You know, the run, I kind of had a strength there and the swim, I was all right, you know, but the biking, it was so hard. And so I just put myself in these crazy situations and, and just kept doing it over and over. And just, I had a good support crew with these people that I was training with, they were so awesome. And they, my coach at the time, he kept pushing me and was such a good like mentor to me. And his wife was such a good mentor that they just kind of kept me rolling. And I just chased them all day. And I thought that everybody that trained for Ironmans were like these people. So I just thought I was like, you know, the same pace as everybody else, you know, that's training for an Ironman. I didn't realize that these people were like top notch. I didn't realize how good they were, you know, like, so I'm just like trying to chase them thinking I need to be up with these people to be normal. And really, I think I was pushing myself a bit ahead, you know? And so then Mm. blah, blah, blah. I did, you know, I did Boise. I did pretty good there. I remember in 2013, I had some good races, but I still wasn't quite, I think I placed pretty good, maybe one race that I could get my pro card, but I still didn't think I was strong enough to really race for the pros. So 2014 is when I really had a good season. I placed, I placed, uh, First overall at Timberman. I placed first overall at Iron, uh, St. George half. I placed second overall at Boise half. And I placed second overall at Whistler full. And so then I was like, boom, I got my pro card. All those. like, So I'm like, and then I went to Kona and I placed sixth at my age. Whoa. And so I was like, I'm ready. I am so I wasn't impressed. Ready, but I thought so I was ready. So impressed. I mean, it's really, it's really, I mean, people do these things, you know, you see it all the time, but I'm like, 
I, yeah, I just, but I didn't realize what this, what I was doing. You know, I'm just like, this is totally normal because the people I was surrounding myself with were sort of doing the same type of things, you know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so a lot of the guys I felt like had a little more competition. So, and I was training with a lot of guys. So I was like, well, maybe that's why they're not placing like top three in their overall. And maybe I just am because I'm a girl. Like, I didn't know, you know? So I placed sixth in my age in Kona and, and then was that um, in the age like, group okay, field or the ready. pro field? No, it was in the age group. That was just in my age. Okay. Like I didn't. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's tough there, but I'd already gained it in those other races all throughout the season. The pro so card. I was like, all right. And you only have to do it once. You yeah. only have to gain the pro card. You only have to have one race where you place top three overall amateur. Um, it is hard to do. You know, I think Kona is very hard to qualify for. I will say it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. Is that different than when you um, you see some athletes who it will say like AWA? Is pro card and AWA mm-hmm. different? They're way different. Yeah, all world athlete is. I think you're looking at the top, a top percentage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're looking at. I think I, I don't know what the percentage is. Like the, the gold, I think is like the top ten percent in your age. Okay. You know, but this is more an overall. This is out of every you know, woman there, you know? So that might be like, if I was top 10% of my age wow. or top 1% of my age, I don't, that's more of an age group ranking. So, um, it's very, very impressive, but it's a little, it's different, you know, but very impressive to be AW. It's very impressive to do an Ironman. Yes. And I realized that more looking back, <laughs> you know, like I have so much respect for people that train for Ironmans. I don't even care if you finish. It's like, if you're training for that and you're putting the time in, like, you're just a baller. Like I don't, if you're, if you're, you've never swum before and you're getting into an Ironman and swimming 2.4 miles in open water, you are a badass. Like, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you finish the bike. I don't care if you just finish. The if you're putting yourself out there with thousands of people in open water, in God knows what conditions half the time, you know, it's nerve wracking. Yeah. It is so nerve wracking. And I will tell you, I've had many nerve wracking races, but you know, and that's so impressive in my book. So I don't care if you're, you know, top actually, I'm not, it's, you're out there, you're doing it. I mean, it's, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. I remember doing a race and watching all these, this like special line worthy. for AWA and I'm like, AWA, I'm not in that area either. I'm just here, you know, trying to, you know, keep myself motivated to train for something. And I just keep going to the next thing up the next highest yes. race. And now I'm like, okay. Yeah. There was one point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to say I did this and I did it. And I, it's my only one. And then about eight miles later, I'm like, I, what, what am I going to do next? I can't wait to do this again. This was so badass. <laughs> yes. Yes. And one thing you need to remember though, is like, like one thing that I feel like keeps always kept me like dialed was like being proud of even if it wasn't where I wanted to be in five years, it being proud of what you're doing, like be proud of what you're doing, like in the moment, it'll make you, it'll make it so much more enjoyable. Like, you know, rather than being like, Oh, I didn't, you know, like I, I didn't, I didn't get my PR. I didn't whatever, like be proud of yourself for like getting out there, like with what you you're accomplishing in the, in the moment, because like, you never know when you're going to be that fit again either. But it's just even in training too. It's like be proud of every day you put out there. That'll keep you going so much, like so much longer. You know, like I think I have more proud training sessions than I have had races a lot of times. That's just you know. Yeah, when it comes down to it, yeah the the training or the training is consistent, and you can work your ass off. But 
when it comes down to the day, you could get bad weather. You, there's any number of things that could go wrong. Yes. So as long as your training is strong yes. and you're believing in yourself, that's what counts. Yep, that's fate. I mean, that that's not in your control. What You can't mm-hmm. control what you can't control. You can't control what other people are going to do either. Mm-hmm. I can't control how fast the pro ladies are going to mm-hmm. go. I got to focus on what I got to do and what's there in my lane. You know, I can't. It, yeah, they could show up and just blow me out of the water, which they did many times. But it's like, I got to focus on what I'm doing because like, I can't worry about them. I can't control what they, what they did for training, but the weather in Ironman is probably the hardest thing to deal with as an athlete. I think that I've ever had to deal with it though. A lot of times we weren't in wetsuits as pros. We have a different cutoff. So that was really tough. Cause I'd be like hypothermic coming out of the water so many times. And it was just like, it was really tough. It was too like, cold. That was probably the hardest thing about racing pro. That's like, that's a rule. I mean, that's a rule that like, yeah. So, yeah. So like the amateurs, I think they're cut off. What is it? 74 or 76. I can't remember if it's 76.4 or 74.6. Talking about degrees. I should know because. Oh God. I thought it was like 67 or something like that. For you guys, it's, I know it's like either 74 or 76. And then you wear what, if what's your ego for us, it was 71. And we would be getting in the water at like 50 degrees in the morning, you know? And it's like, I'm freezing before I even get in. And then like in Mont-Tremblant, there's like a flow of water that gets colder, you know, it gets to down to be like 69 probably out in the water. I'm like, I can't handle that for an hour. You know I mean? I, I just, I would get out just absolutely freezing. And finally, I think one of the, the pros maybe complained about it enough and said, Hey, we got to have something with the temperature of the air because every, all of us are getting out like, hypothermic and like it's affecting our race for like 30 miles of the bike and no one else in the race besides the pros mm-hmm. is, is doing that you know like why are you doing that to us you know like right so it was That's tough for some races rule. but um yeah it's 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 because they go by the usat rules which are olympic distance and other distances too they have to like make those match they want those to match or something so i don't know it was mm-hmm. it never used to be like that and then once i turned pro it was like that and then they changed that um, outdoor weather rule and that helped a ton. But it's funny because Mike, my fiance, does Ironmans. And so we'd always be like tripping out about the wetsuit. Like, okay, he's going to be in a wetsuit. I'm not. Like, we'd be always like bugging out about that. Katie, do you know Lauren Brandon? I know who she Yeah, I mean, I, I know who she this is. This randomly yeah. just popped in my head. So you 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 were a swimmer mm-hmm. in high school and college. And so is would you mm-hmm. say swimming's your best sport of the three or is it running? No, running is for sure. Because, like, swimming, like, I swim D3, and, like, Lauren Brandon's, like, Lauren Brandon, so much. She's legit. At a different level than me. Like, she's so legit. So, like, her swimming is just, like, I would say, like, 10 times better than mine. Okay. Um, so It's funny because you'd think that my swimming would be better because I did swim long distance, too. But I would say that swimming is my second best as far as, like, like if I, once I started training with the coach that I have now, I was getting out like eighth in the water, you know, eighth out of the water. Sometimes right. depending like Tennessee, I think I came out like fourth, fifth. Like I was, I was okay, but biking, I was, it was my worst for sure. And then running, I was just, I was strongest at running. I would say comparably, I guess you could say. My Lauren Brandon story is my first ever Ironman experience or the full was Mount Tremblant in like 2017, I think two years before I did it. I went and Sherpa for my buddy, Scott. And I'm there, uh-huh. we watch everyone go off, the men pros go off, and then the female pros uh-huh. go off five minutes later, and then we run to where the swim exit is, and I'm with Scott's daughters, uh-huh. and then all of a sudden, it's like, here comes the swimmer, 
And then, oh, it, yeah. and then you're like, it's a She's girl. Crazy. You're like, I'm like, it's yeah. a girl. And she had started five <laughs> minutes behind the men and she passed all the men and came out with like a two, three minute lead on all the men. And I'm like instantly looking her up. Who is this like girl? It was Lauren Brandon. Wow. And she's a- yeah. And I was there in 2017, but she, she probably was out of the water like 20 minutes before me. <laughs> were you a, but you know, I mean, were you a pro in that race? Mm-hmm. Nice. Oh yeah. That was my first yeah. Ironman experience. And I said, if I ever do one, I'm doing this one. That, that is my favorite. Yeah, it's so cool. Venue. So I don't cool. know what would be your favorite Ironman venue. I I gotta say, Quebec is my favorite. I've done it four times. That Ironman, I've done the half four times. Wow. So I did it 2016, 2017, 18, 19. Yeah, the last time I did it was 2019. Yeah. And then the half, I can't remember. I think I've done it four or five. I think this might have been my fifth time when I. Got in a little accident there, but uh, yeah. So, but that's my favorite venue. Yeah, half and full. It's beautiful. Uh, well, the half, I don't know. I like St. George, I and mean, half is one of my favorites. But I would say Kona, and and Quebec, and then third, I would say Whistler. Okay. Have you ever done Lake Placid? Because that's next mm-hmm. on my bucket list. I I did do Lake Placid. And I absolutely love it, but I need to go back there for redemption because I had a I had a great swim and a great bike and i just i fell apart on the run so bad dude it was bad it was one of my worst ironman times ever but i love that course and um I, it was a very bad lead into the swim it was like pouring rain oh. and like dude but uh it was just bad like the whole like getting to the start was miserable but i loved the swim swim's awesome if you're not like a swimmer it's so calm it literally has a cable like you'll love it and the bike is gorgeous it's beautiful yeah i love flaccid it's good yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's I but I just did that one once. I think I think Mount Tremblant is gonna happen again for me. I want to like that's now a, a mark I have of a race I want to go and beat my time, but I also want to go to Lake Placid. Yes. You know, those two courses, those are yes. the two I want and and then the rest we'll And see. it's so cool because they're so close. Yeah, they're close too, you know. It takes a lot of the uh stress out with the bike, you know, traveling with the bike and everything. So. I'll go Sherpa for you one of those. Oh, races. it's a great place to Sherpa. Montreal's the best Sherpa place. Excellent. Lots of good viewing spots and Oh my gosh, Erica, it's amazing. It's amazing. And they have this little village there. It's like a ski village. You can get like the fries, the poutine or whatever you call it. Like the fries with the You'd gravy. Be in they have all these little <laughs> so shops. I can be eating those on the sideline. Honestly, while it's so, and, and the run oh, comes dude. right through the village twice. It's so cool. It's so cool. Uh, it, mm. it was a big reason I picked that one for sold. mine. One I'm was because <laughs> I was there already, but I knew it would be good for, I had, um, my daughter was three at the time and my parents went and my wife Ashley went. So yep. I knew it'd be good for them versus if they were at like, uh, and I did the same for Old Orchard Beach because I'm like, hey, let me just do the race and you guys can yeah. hang out at the beach. You don't even have to. It's something to think about. Right. Yeah. Because of that. You 100% got to take in consideration the people who are going to go with yes. you, especially if they're Absolutely. not your Sherpa. Like if they're just going to be there to yep. be there, you got to consider the venue. And Ironmans and triathlons are probably kind of tough for that because you go out on a 112-mile yes. bike ride. Sometimes you don't even come back and it's like, okay, what are we going to do for six them at all. So Mount yep. Tremblant. I spent so I probably ran six miles from point to point, but all within that village and it was great. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's. I did Cozumel by myself. And that was tough because I had to like fly there, Ooh, build my bike. Right. Like it was that one was tough. Well, but, um, Scott did cause it was cool. 
And I told him I can't go. Like, I'm just like, I just can't pull it off. And then he goes, that's a cool, he's like, I'll pay for you to go. And I'm like, Ashley, he'll pay for me to go. And so I went to Cozumel, Scott, and I'm lucky I was there because (laughs) we had a, uh, a a hospital visit until two in the morning after that race. (laughs) Oh my gosh. No, that was a great race. Yeah. Talk about, he just wasn't hydrated enough for what was like the hottest day of the year in November. Yes. It can get so hot there. Oh my gosh. You did that one by yourself. We, we actually met a girl there from Hawaii doing it by herself. Her name was Jocelyn. So I kind of sherpa for both Scott and Jocelyn. Jocelyn really didn't need me. She was, she was, you know, well off on her own. She was experienced. But I'm like, if you need anything, you just, I'll track you and you, you yelled at me or whatever. I'll get you something. So. It was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. Because the building of the bike, it was the first time I had to build it by myself. Because Mike, my fiance, he's like an engineer. So he like does all the stuff with the bikes. And like a lot of times he builds our bikes and breaks them down and he can like work on the bike. But it was the first time I had to like build it and break it down myself. I mean, I can do it, but you know, not, I wouldn't, I would always have him there. But like, you know, so that was a little nerve wracking, but I did it. It was fun. Does he join you for most of your races? Because it seems like you travel quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So I was, I haven't been since the crash, I haven't really been doing Ironmans too much. Um, but yes, when I was racing all the time, I was doing like two to three fulls and like three halves. So it was like every month, once the season started, we were doing, you know, and most of them he could come to like, but like a couple of times, like I would fly out like to Tennessee or whatever. And then he would meet me out there oh, yeah. for just like a day and a half, like after work or like one time he, he was training for St. George full and he had to like do a four hour bike ride and then get on the flight and then fly out to Tennessee and watch me. It's just like, but oh, wow. yeah, so he would like meet me out there later or, but most of the time he was there. Yeah. Like Placid, he was there or he was doing it with me, you know, sometimes too. So that's pretty cool. That's love, yeah. man. <laughs> that shows some some serious oh, yeah. love. Yeah, you, you just peel each other off the pavement after, and you're like, "Let's go." Do you usually <laughs> uh, do you, do you usually beat them? And so, if you do, are you waiting for them at the finish line, or you're like, "Ah, screw that! I'm going to go get my yeah, free food would... and everything." Or oh no, I would wait for him at the finish line, honestly, and I would go get all of his stuff, like from morning clothes bag, and like get try to get all of his stuff ready so that like he felt when he came in that he would have like all the things he needed, and we could just like eat and then and then go. And sometimes he would say, I rushed him out of there too quick. You know, after he was done, like one time he almost passed out because I was like, all right, let's go. And he didn't have any time to like sit there. That was actually at Montreal. But there's, yeah, most of the times I would be, cause I would start first too, though. Like I would beat his time most like, but I think I'd beat his time every time, but also I was starting first. So, yeah. I mean, I was always going to finish first, you know, but it was not a long time. I'd have to wait. It'd be like, if I finished in 10 something, then he would finish in like 1130, you know? So it'd be like, you know, very close. Like by the time I was done eating my pizza, you know, I get the stuff, he'd be coming in. So it was like pretty awesome actually, you know, he's very tough too. So yeah. And did he get into it because of you? No, we met through the sport. So he was, he had already done, um, one or two, I think maybe one. And like some halves before like we started dating, seeing each other. So, yeah. I want to know. So you say you do a combo of the halves and fulls. What is your favorite distance to do of the two, though? The full, for sure. I'm just more um, attuned to the full, I think, mostly mentally. 
Like, cause the full is all about like, it ain't over till it's over. And like, you could literally pass someone like, mm-hmm. you know, a mile from the finish. And it's like, it's all mental. It's like, especially when you're first starting out in the pro field, you're, you know, you're used to beating people. And then all of a sudden you go to like being at the bottom of the te- you know barrel and you're like, there's no way I'm going to make up any time. And like, if you just hang in there, like a lot of times, like you will pick people off or like you'll end up with a more solid time or more solid finish than you think. And I love that about it. The half is like, I'm not as fast. So like, also that doesn't really, it's not really attuned to me, but I do like the half, but it's just, I'm not quite, I mean, and now with what's going on in the sport in the half, it's just getting so fast. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, so more the full, mostly mentally, I feel like the full I'm, I'm a little better at. Well, let's go back to last June in Quebec at Mount Tremblant. This is your like 62nd Ironman of all. And, you know, mm-hmm. you're probably just, you know, going there and hoping to do well again <laughs> like you have. You've been there many of times and you know the course, you know the layout. So let's go back to June and, yes. and tell us how that race started for you and what happened. So I was actually going there to, so I was really kind of weaning off, like I did an Ironman in November and I was like, I'm, I think I'm done. I said to Mike, I'm like, I just, I'm so tired. I, I'm not performing like I want to. I'm just not having fun, like whatever. So I really want to do a marathon. So I did Vermont city marathon and I was like, and I'll do a half, but my pro card, my pro card ran out. So I was like, I'll do a half Ironman and like maybe try to see if I can regain my pro card. And if I do great, I'll just have that option. But if not, no big deal. Just race as an amateur and, and, you know, have fun out there. And so I was sort of training for that half marathon Ironman, but it was really the the full marathon that I was training for, for Vermont city. Cause I really wanted to focus on the marathon. So I went out there like, and Mike was supposed to do it with me, but he ended up not doing it because he had done Ironman St. George and he needed a break. So it's kind of like a blessing that he wasn't racing that day, I think. But, um, this is kind of weird, but he, he's like, no, nah, I'm just going to go spectate. So we went up there and it was, it was, it was shaping up to be a great day for me because I love the heat and it was like unusually hot. It was going to be unusually hot, which is like my forte. My run was pretty on point because I'd just done that marathon training and I'd never really run as much when I was training for triathlons because you have to do all three. So. so I felt like my run was pretty solid. My bike, I hadn't put that much into, but I was still swimming a bunch. So I was, I was, you know, I was pretty confident that I could have like a pretty good race, but I didn't know how it was going to go. So I'm starting out the race. Um, I have a good swim. It was my first time in the amateur field since in six years. So I was like, this is kind of weird, but I got out. I had a good swim. I was on the bike and I was having a great day on the bike. I mean, the first time in a while that I felt solid on the bike and felt, you know, maybe because I was in that amateur field and it was like a little more fun for me rather than chasing. Like I always was in the pro field. It's like no one out there. It felt like it was just like in the mix and it was just like fun and like, I was, I was feeling really solid and I'm coming to the bottom of Eric, you'll know where this is mile 40, like where Duplessis is, yeah. you're going to do this big climb. Okay. And then you get free mileage and speed all the way down this big climb. Cause it's like eight miles downhill and you're going about 50 miles an hour. Well, you have to climb up first before you do that descent. And then you just descend into T2 and you start your run. It's great. And so right before I'm heading up that canyon or whatever you want to call it, I don't know if it's like a canyon, but it's, it's an ascent. Right. And I see Mike and he's like, babe, you're doing awesome. You're killing it. And I'm like, cool. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I feel great. You know And I'm just like? All I have to do is just do that last blip. And I like climbing. So I'm like, great. I just have to climb. And like, I always like that better. Cause you're not like yo-yoing with people. It's not like mayhem, mm-hmm. you know, and then you just get that free speed. 
So I'm heading up there and within the ascent, there are some descending points where you're getting going 25, 30 miles an hour down some of those descents, you know, to climb back up again and you kind of get shotgunned right back up, you know? And so, um, so I was coming down one of those and right as I'm at the top of that, I see a deer go by and there's another guy coming on the other side, going 50 coming down the other side. I'm like, Oh Jesus, he just missed that one. Like, I remember thinking now, I'm like, Oh, he just missed that one. And I look over to the right. And there's another deer standing on the side of the road. I'm like, shit. So, and what does it do within the next minute? It comes out and it just stands there. And I have like a minute to decide on what to do. And it's either go off the ravine, go into the oncoming cyclists, going down to play C. And, you know, they're going like a good clip. They're going like 50, I would say. Yeah. And then, or, or, or just hope this guy gets out of the way. And I just braced myself and hoped he got out of the way. And I said, I just the last thought was, if people hit these things in their cars, they're like done. Right. Like what's going to happen to me? And I just crashed dead on into the thing and um, going like 25 miles an hour. And I felt the deer. uh, I could feel the fur. I remember everything I felt. I was like hugging it. And then it scrambled off, like just absolutely traumatized. And then I went, once he scrambled off, I went flying. And I think what happened was I whipped around and got, so I was flying in the backward direction in the air and I landed directly on my back like blunt force and then hit my head wicked hard and I was immediately seeing double and then I I crawled off the road like my initial thing was just crawl off the road oh my god like you know Mm -hmm. holy shit and just crying screaming you know doing whatever just I was in shock and I sat there and then I was just crying crying saying get help get help you know because people flying by me at this point right are you okay? And I'm like, just get help, get help. But like, no one's stopping because you can't really stop. Like, there's nothing you can really do. Plus, they didn't know I hit a deer. Right. They just saw me on the side of the road. They don't know how bad it is. They mm-hmm. don't know like that I just, you know, like had that experience. There's only one person I think that saw it. And it was my pro friend's friend that was a pro that saw it actually happen. And she's like, it was horrific. But there's only like one person actually saw it happen. And um, so everyone's probably, they're, they're probably don't, don't know. So they're just going to get help. And one guy stopped. And I was just traumatized. So I just kind of needed someone there to tell me that I was like, okay. But at that point I was getting a lot of hip back Mm -hmm. pain. So I couldn't sit anymore. I had to just pace because that was making me feel better. Actually walking was making me feel better. And then the double seeing double went away. So I was like, okay, I think I'm all right, but I'm still in shock. So I don't really know. And I'm pacing back and forth. This guy stops. He gets my bike out of the middle of the road. Thank God. Cause that could have killed somebody. And then um, he's like, I have to leave you and go get help. I need to go tell it. So I'm like, that's fine. So I'm still pacing. And then they came up with a little emergency vehicle. Like I'd say 10 minutes later or uh-huh. whatever. And because they can't drive cars up there. And so they drove that little emergency vehicle and they're like, what happened? There was another guy there that had some, had popped a tire and he had walked down and he was to where I was. And they were talking to him. And then they look over at me like, what happened to you? And I'm like, I crashed into a deer like head on. They were like, oh my God. And they just went into like full fledged. They just cut my kit. They're like, where does it hurt? I'm like, my back. They just cut my kit right off me. $300. There you go. Yeah. First time wearing it. You know, you know, those expensive yeah. things are. So I'm like, okay. And I'm just like, you know, so I'm standing there and then they just, you know, I just kept asking them like, am I okay? Am I going to be okay? Cause I couldn't, I was like in shock. I couldn't tell. And they're like, I don't know. They were basically like, I don't know. Like, I can't tell the extent of anything that's going on. And and so, you know, they looked at my back. It was all scraped up, you know. 
elbows are scraped, whatever. And so they were like, I was like, can I please call my boyfriend on your phone? And they're like, yeah. And I wanted him to hear my voice Mm -hmm. when he got that call, because I knew he'd be tracking me. If he didn't see the tracker Mm -hmm. moving, he'd probably think I got a flat or whatever. But if he saw a phone call coming in after that from Quebec, I mean, I didn't want him to hear them first and go, Oh my God. Right. So I just wanted him to hear my voice. So like, babe, I'm okay. I hit a D and he's like, what? You know, and then I passed it off to them because I couldn't even talk. Babe, I'm and okay. They were all in I hit a deer. Like, yeah. <laughs> he couldn't believe it. What? He thought, oh, I thought you were going to fly. Like, what? So then he raced to the med tent and they took really good care of me down there. Um, you know, the guy, you know, they put me on a stretcher, brought me into the med tent. They're all, you know, freaking out down there because they heard what happened. They get notification before you actually get there. They were amazing in there. It was like four nurses and a doctor to me. Like, you know, just all of them on one person, right. you wow. know, and doing everything they could mm-hmm. They hit me up with like some fentanyl morphine, like immediately, but they're like, is the pain still there? And I just kept saying, it's in my hip. It's in my hip. Like, I don't, I, I I'm in a lot of pain. I just don't. It, and they're like, well, it's very unlikely that you broke your pelvis, you know, but I just kept saying, yeah. And even after the morphine, they'd be like, is the pain still there? I'm like, yeah, like I, it could still feel like I knew something was wrong, mm-hmm. you know, like that I broke like a ton of bones. <laughs> but they didn't have an x-ray there so they're like you're gonna have to go to the hospital but i got up to stand to go to the bathroom in the middle of the place you're kind of able to this still isn't a code brown but right yeah i was able to well but once i went to do that i was in such agony i couldn't like even stand up or sit like sitting and standing was just agonizing and mike's like okay we need to go to the hospital uh-huh. we can't just trust what you know Mm-hmm. So, so that was the worst was sitting and stand. I could not sit down or stand up. That was just agonizing. So went to the hospital, but we couldn't get his, we couldn't get his uh, car out of, they had, his car was parked in a place where they had blocked off right? because of the race. And it's kind of, so he had to, no car. You kind of got to get there the day before really with the car situation, you know, like if, right. if you're there, you're there. We you were can't staying on out. the village. Right. right. So we were staying in the village. His car's parked there. It's blocked into race mode. They're not going to let him out. So I'm like, he's going to have to come with me in the ambulance. So he rode with me in the ambulance, but the hospital was like 45 minutes away. So once we got out there, we had no car. Yeah. And we're like, how are we going to get me back home after this? Right. But that was like a side note. We weren't even really worried about that at the moment. So we get in there and it's like, you know, whatever, getting checked in and, and, and they wouldn't let me move because they were really worried about my back, you know, so I couldn't really do move at all. For like, I was there for like seven hours, basically. Um, and they wanted money up front. So we're like paying money up front. It was like super stressful. They finally got x-rays of me. Because so the guy comes over and he's like, um, I really don't want you moving at all. Like he was worried about a compression fracture or an unstable fracture of my spine. He had a feeling that I'd done something to my spine, but or, you know, but we didn't really could by looking at it and where the blunt force was, he could like see, you know, but um, so they took x-rays and they found out that I had fractured the two transverse process, which are the L4, L5, the bony things that come off your spine. Yeah. So they connect to all of your like ligaments and everything that attaches mm-hmm. to your hip. Hence the fact that I was feeling like I couldn't stand up or sit. <sighs> and then I broke like a bunch of ribs on the right mm-hmm. side. Ugh. So my whole back was just, you know. And so I laid there for like, I was only there for like seven hours, but like, we didn't want to move from that hospital. Like, cause I was waiting so long. Mike's like, should I just drive you to Burlington to get to America to like, so we don't have to pay up front and all he's like, but I don't know if we should move you because if it's not a stable fracture, then 
So we found out it was a stable fracture, which meant I was going to be able to travel home, uh-huh. which scared the crap out of me at that point. But, mm-hmm. and, and, but then we knew like I can move and I'm not going to like displace this thing. He's like, you're not going to displace it. You know, you just broke those two bony protrusions that come off your spine. Um, you know, you're not, you're going to be in a lot of pain, but you're not going to like further damage it by riding home, you know, or whatever. So that was a big relief. Then we were like, okay. But I was still petrified to ride home because I was like, I can't sit for that long in six hours. In the right. Car, I mean, it's a long back, drive. You know, and and broken ribs. It's mm. six hours. And if you get stuck in traffic in Montreal, then you're looking at, you know. Right. God knows what. I was like petrified. Honestly, petrified. So we go back to the hotel. It was like such a, we had to get, he had to get, Mike had to get a ride from some poor soul that was there with his daughter and, and have him drive back to get Mike's car. And then Mike had to come all the way back to the hospital to get me. Finally, we get home at nine o'clock at night. I had no clothes because they cut everything off me. So I just had the little gurney, like little gown. hospital gown with nothing on underneath it. No shoes, no clothes, gown, you know, nothing on underneath. Oh, wow. Walk into the hotel room with like scrapes all over me, <laughs> sweat, drool, Sorry, hair all over the place. Scrape, no, it was hilarious. I'm shuffling in there by myself because Mike's going to get the car. So I didn't even have him to explain to the hotel people at the village, like why I'm coming shuffling in, looking like this, like a crackhead. And I'm like, literally like, okay. I'm like, I'm like, Hey. And I just walked right by them and just gave them a wave and just like zombied it to the, cause I was in so much pain. <laughs> I was on morphine, but I was on, in so much pain. So I was really, I thought you'd been breaking out of the hospital. Or something. Yeah. I mean, it looked like <laughs> I had broken out of broke somewhere. Out. I mean, seriously, it looked like I was just, I mean, it was like a movie. So I get into the elevator, I get up and I was just, yeah, I was pretty much in agony, you know, then and then the whole ride home was just it was pretty much a nightmare and then it was i got to get to a spinal specialist you know and get the you know so that's the story that's what happens we got me home i had to keep getting out of the car though yeah i got like the sitting was agonizing 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 because what would happen is i'd be sitting in the exact part where i was sitting that would be pushing up on the part of mike's car the seat Mm -hmm. was exactly where i broke it Like right on that side there on the, on the L4, L5, right on that like little like area down by there. It was just pushing on that part plus the ribs, you know, but that was what was agonizing because it was just pushing on it. So I'd have to get out, walk around. And once we got closer and closer, I'd have to get out more often. And then, you know, I mean, I was still on morphine, but it was still like, it still hurt so much. I couldn't believe it. It's it's, honestly, that's a six hour drive on a good day. Yeah. I mean, luckily we didn't hit a lot of traffic in Montreal, which saved me. Because if that had happened, I don't know if I could have sat in traffic, like because I had to keep getting out. Right. How many pit you stops know? do you think you made? So, oh, I don't know, like ten. I I think yeah. I I just yeah. At least I would just have to get out and walk, but that made me feel better walking. Yeah. It was sitting that was and sitting up and stand, you know, standing up, sitting down because it controls everything in your core, that area. Once you get through Montreal, it's just long, straight highway, pretty boring, yes. all the way to Concord, really. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I was just like in agony, honestly. Yeah. I was like, you know, deep breathing. I felt, you know, just, it was just in, yeah, I don't know. I made it though. I made it. And when I got home, I was in, I was pretty rough shape when I got, when I got home that night. But then, you know, the next day we were able to see the specialist and, you know, it was the pain that was bad, you know, but when I went to the specialist, he's like, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. This doesn't need surgery. You don't, you know, you're going to be fine. It's going to heal. You're going to, you're just, the pain is going to be the problem. 
you know, and it was indeed painful, mm -hmm. but I knew I was gonna be okay. So I was all right. I was like, yeah. if it's based off pain, you know, there's a lot worse that could have happened. So I was lucky. How did they go they about just said, treating you? Let pain be your guide. And they just, they were just like, here's medicine. Like I needed, um, I had to get some muscle relaxers cause I was getting really bad, like spasms that I couldn't move. Like I'd be in bed and mm -hmm. I couldn't roll over or like sit up or just move from the spot I was in. So they just basically gave me like muscle relaxers and like painkillers. And then they were like, I didn't take a lot of painkillers. I really relied on muscle relaxers, like, because that was seemed to be the problem with the spasms. But, um, and they were just like, be let pain be your guide. Mm -hmm. Like your body's going to tell you when you can do, you know, rest. Like, you know, that was it. I mean, there wasn't anything I could really do. I didn't need a brace. I didn't, you know, they're just like, you're going to be in a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. And, but it's not going to be oh, man. a really, really long time of pain. You're going to be in like a couple months of pain, you know, like, and at first it's going to be worse, obviously, uh -huh. but that was it. I mean, it was, so I was like, okay, I can deal with that. You know, um, it was definitely the worst pain for the longest pain I've ever been in, you know, but it was the longest I've ever been in pain and the worst pain I've ever felt, but it was like, I knew that it was going to be okay. So I was, I was all right. You know, I don't want to say that doctors don't know what they're talking about because they do but there you hear a lot of stories where the normal recovery time for an injury is like 12 months or six months or like four weeks but then you hear these stories about these athletes these elite athletes and i'm gonna call you an mm -hmm. elite athlete you know here she is drinking out of the gatorade an elite athlete she knows what she's doing so <laughs> hydrate always always yes. hydrate so your recovery was it did you feel better quicker than what they might have predicted because you are a runner and this is I your sport so. and maybe just you're not the you're not even the average the average athlete you're an elite athlete so how did your recovery go and and were they surprised or what they told you the length of time would be did you exceed that or I think it? I don't know if the doctors would have been too happy with how soon I started doing whatever I was doing uh, but I also know, like you said, like from doctors, like I've had broken bones before and like, I've had to convince them like, Hey, what if I, I have to push mm -hmm. to do things. And then they're like, Oh, okay. You know? And then, and it would be fine. So I just knew from being an athlete, like if you watch the tour de France, you know, and you see those guys, I mean, those guys are hopping back on their bike with a broken collarbone and biking 80 more miles. Like there's a reason that, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it's sort of like, you're kind of always uncomfortable as an athlete. And when you're, you know, at a high level, you're, you're constantly pushing your body and you know, your body so well, it's like, yeah, you may try a couple things that are pushing it a little bit, but at the same time, I feel like knowing that and knowing your body well, um, you can kind of get back at it faster than yeah. yeah, maybe the average person, um, because your body is so attuned to physical fitness and, and maybe it heals a little quicker right. because of that. I don't know. Um, but I've always had knock on wood, good, an okay experience with broken bones. Like I broke my ankle in 2018 and I broke my, it was just an avulsion fracture, but I, I fractured it, you know, and I was running and, and I, it's just a little side note, but I, I, um, I broke it in August, late August. It was after Montremblant. And by December, late December, I like placed second and a half marathon. And in February, I won a marathon. And I don't think that the doctor would have wanted me running, you know, like doing half the stuff. I started working after three weeks 
You know, and he was like, I don't really know, like, if you should do that and like, whatever. And I was like, I have to, right. you know, and, and so I did and I chanced it. Yeah, I took a chance, you know, and it worked out. Okay. Um, but so I don't suggest, you know, jumping too fast. I suggest listening to doctor's advice, but I do think that, yeah, as an athlete, you know, you're li- you are able to push it a little more, you know, you know, kind of, I recently, and I may have pushed it too, but I recently started seeing a chiropractor just before the end of the year. And I told him like, he goes, how do you find me and all this stuff? And you know, I, I forget how I found it, but I go, the reason, one of the reasons I picked you over the others was you had an Ironman shirt on. Mm-hmm. So I kind of figured mm-hmm. you might know like the the sports I like to do, <laughs> yeah. running and biking and swimming. Like yep. you would understand versus some other chiropractor be like, nah, you no, that matters. That. Yeah. Cause they're going to load, like, they're just going to load everyone into, I feel like, and I don't mean to dis, I'm not dissing on doctors. I'm just saying, I think a lot of times they put you in one box mm-hmm. and you could be anywhere from, you know, 13 to 80 years old. And they may be putting you in the same box, you know? But we all heal at different rates, I think, and we all we all have different times mm-hmm. when we want to push, and depends on how uncomfortable you want to be to get back out there, you know. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of times where I, I was running with back spasms. You know, I would just get a back spasm for the rest of the day after I ran. But that was a chance I was willing to take because they said it couldn't get any worse, yeah. and so I, that was a chance I was willing to take. I was willing to deal with the pain to try and get back out there. Because to me, it's important, but someone else might want to wait, you know, and that's totally fine. But like, I think that honestly watching the Tour de France, that kind of helped me when I was, because I was laid up in July, you know, just watching TV. And I'm like, these guys get back out there. Like the next, you know, they inspired me. Yeah. Yeah. Like the next day they get on the trainer with a broken collarbone the next day, you know, they're, so I got on the trainer pretty soon, you know? And it was painful, but I did it, you know, 20 minutes here, you know, like it's, but that made me mentally mm-hmm. like, okay. And I could walk just fine. It actually made me feel better to walk. So that was great. For you're me not too. a basketball fan, are you? Ah, not that into good, basketball. good. I don't know enough good. about it. I love, I'm into every sport, but I'm, a- I love <laughs> trash talking basketball players because they'll get carried off the court for a leg cramp or they'll do like this. Uh, they'll take a game off to rest. And it's like, no, no way. You know, real athletes, they play right. not, not to say, Hey, go out there, play hurt. But like, I love the meme about Bergeron, right. broken ribs, torn cartilage, broken nose, right. punctured lung. And he plays right. And then LeBron gets right. carried off for a leg cramp. Right. And like, exactly. With the, the, the electric, I'm like, take some salt and get back out there. <laughs> right. But like, you know, <laughs> The tour, like if you watch the Tour de France, like it's, it's so, that's a great example of like what these athletes, you know, and I think a lot of, a a lot of hardcore athletes do that. I think they start that rehab, like skiers. Mm -hmm. I mean, look what they go through and they're back out there, you know, and they're destroying those knees and, you know, getting surgeries like left and right. It's like, they're back out there going 80, you know, kilometers an hour or however fast they're going. It's like, that's, you know, what you kind of, if you're always, you know, I think just even with slight injuries sometimes, you know, if I paid attention to every little thing I had going on, I would have never been racing half the races I did, you know? And I think there are a lot of athletes that sometimes are getting out there, like, you know, not at a hundred percent and still doing all right. right. Or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, a lot of Ironman athletes, a lot of marathoners, you know, they, you know, so I mean, I think that's a thing, you know, I do. I really do. To go back yeah, but. 
Well, nobody knows your body better than you. Yeah. So. And as an athlete, you're just paying attention to <laughs> you it. You get to make yeah. that executive yeah. decision. Yeah. And once I said, you know, you mm-hmm. can't, the guy's like, you can't hurt it anymore. I was like, boom, I'm good. I got there this. There you go. I'll wait till it's, you know, I'll wait till <laughs> I feel like the time's right. I'm going to, you know, and there were times like after the first like mm-hmm. weeks, like my coach told me to send her a video of me running and she saw the video and she's like, yeah. I don't want to move any further than what you're doing. And she's tough. Like she lets me roll with it. You know, she's, she pushes me, but she was like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, you look real stiff, uh, you know? And so to hear that from her, I was like, okay, I'm not mm-hmm. going to, you know, she kind of held me back and, you know, but um, yeah. So that's where I was at, you know, after the race, you know, just judging that. And How long was it before you got back up and did your first workout? Workout? bike ride, um, run, like whatever I, it was. I spun on the bike. I spun on the bike probably, I want to say three weeks after, but that was painful. And it was like for like 25, 30 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, just to see. And it wasn't mm-hmm. like, I mean, I didn't get much, you know, what was I getting out of that? More mental, you know, because that physically couldn't have been really doing anything. I don't think for me than just maybe aggravating my back. But after that three and a half weeks, mm-hmm. I tried running and that's when I, I felt okay, but I had back spasms and I was wicked stiff and like, it was wicked. So, you know, it was painful, but it wasn't like agonizing where I couldn't run. It was just like, you know, and I ran for like 20, 30 minutes. And that's when my coach was like, I don't know about that, you know? And so it was kind of a yo-yo effect there, but probably like four and a half weeks. So I had like, I wouldn't say a workout, maybe just like a run, you know, was slow. Everything was kind of slow at first. Um, Biking, I could get on swimming took a while. I can't remember how long it took me to swim, but that was like, I couldn't even think about swimming in my head gain wise because the fact, the thought of me pushing off a wall or like bending to flip turn or like moving my back and core that much just sounded like an awful idea, like to me. So swimming was the last thing. Sitting on a bike, not so bad. I even put, I put like something under the front of it to like raise it up a bit the TT bike, yeah, you know, inside right. so that it was sort of like more like yeah, that. Yeah, a little easier on the back. And then I, we bought some gravel bikes, um, mainly because I was like worried to buy, ride my, my tri bikes destroyed anyway. So uh, that was my next question. What happens to the bike? Mm. The front end is just destroyed. You know, like the carbon were cracked. The front end was just all cracked. Um, my saddle was just thrust forward and like shoved up. I'm like, what the heck happened there? The derailleur was messed up, but mm. the wheels were fine. Everything that was like on the frame was fine because everything on the outside is what got messed up. So just some front end stuff, the derailleur, we had to fix that up. Um, so my fiance is going to do the front end. We bought all the parts. We just haven't done it yet still. Um, we bought the gravel bikes. And so I got out on the gravel bike pretty soon, which was probably really dumb because had I fallen where I was at, like it, it was like probably five weeks out, maybe or something. Maybe six. Had I fallen there, that would have been a, a, a really bad. I think if I had had a mistake on that bike, but you know, mm-hmm. I wanted to get out there. So. I'm honestly shocked. I'm honestly shocked that the deer lived yeah. through that. You it was, it, just it was really after. traumatizing because <laughs> like, I could feel, I could feel that the deer was like, like so traumatized. Like that really like affected me for some reason. It was like, I felt bad for the deer too though. Like, cause it was just so shocking. You could tell. From well, the yeah, deer. nobody like, wants to like hit it. Yeah. And I just felt like the way he scrambled <laughs> off, it was just like for the both of us, wicked traumatic, yeah. you know, but, um, he was fine. I think yeah. I could tell he scrambled off. Now. I don't know. He got, he must've got, you know, he got hit by those arrow bars. So that couldn't have 
Salt Did he have antlers? Oh yeah. Mm. Um. Yeah. So yeah. W- w- when you're going down that hill, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Him, he did. Are you thinking he was like a? He, I would say he was like a. I don't know. Do teenage? He looked like a a a, a male, like not a buck, uh-huh. but like a male grown deer. That's what it looked like to me. I don't know if he had antlers. Do they have antlers? I don't. I don't. I don't I'm I don't just think thinking it, like, oh, you don't want to hit mm. the antlers. Those antlers could kill you. Yeah. I don't remember. He was a good size. He. I don't. I don't really remember to be honest. I couldn't say for certain on that. No. I don't think it was a buck or anything. It wasn't. It was. It was a good sized deer though. It was like thick. It's definitely thick. So if you were like, a hunter and you like, shot like, that deer, it. you'd probably hang him on your wall. He's big enough to do that. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a good size. I mean, he wasn't. Oh. Yeah, it wasn't like a doe or a small little skinny guy. No. Uh. So, <laughs> I don't think this right. story really became big news though. Last summer, no, it kind of became big news mm-hmm. about a month ago when you went down to Disney and ran in a little race down there. So, yeah. So real quick, at the time in the summer, you were really training for the Burlington Marathon. Like, was, yeah. was Disney your next marathon because of the injury and the setbacks? Or yeah. yeah? No, I'd signed up for that because my fiance's daughter was going to do that as her first one. And they love Disney World. It's like a really special place for them. They've traveled there all their lives. And so she wanted to do a marathon. We're like, and she's like, I want to do Disney. I'm like, that's great. Like, I'll do that. I'm like, it's a perfect time of year because I love to run in the fall and the winter. So I'm like, I then I can train up into, you know, through the holidays. I love that. I'm like, and it doesn't really coincide with like, it doesn't like mix in with the triathlon. So it's like a great time to like tune up the marathon running, do another marathon, try to get a PR, all this that I was trying to do anyway. And I'm like, and it would just be fun because we could train with her and um, my fiance could run with her. And, you know, and we had such a great time running with it. But we, um yeah, we signed up in April. So I knew in April that I was doing it. And so after the mm-hmm. crash, I had to forego. I was going to do like a uh, Lowell, um, Bay State, whatever, Great Bay Marathon. Bay State, sorry, Bay, Bay, State. Bay State. I was really gunning for that one, like to do that one, but that was out, obviously. So um, I'm like, let's just have this one be my big one back. This will be like my big thing back motivation wise, you know? This will be the first race that I do. And like, you know, it's not an Ironman. So it's like, you know, I think I can. I can try to get in shape for it at least and just have fun yeah. and go there with you guys. I think I can run a marathon by then for sure. I was, I was pretty sure I could do that. And I'm like, even if it's slower than what I want, it'll be great because it's Disney. So I'm like, it was kind of like not a lot of pressure to do well there, but you know, see how it goes. And, um, and then it was fun training with them. So it was like, you know, kind of a way to pass the time and get back in shape with no pressure for like Ironmans or, you know, trying to win the thing, you know, whatever. So that was where that came from. Yeah. Yeah. So we already know uh, how the race turned out, but do you want to tell our listeners what happened during that race? So, so I went, so we were going to the race. Um, we were having a, you know, it was, it was really exciting because it was going to be Bella and Mike's daughter's first race. First marathon ever, like never won a marathon in my life. So we're wicked excited. He's doing it with her. It's going to be great for them. You know, we're all going to be out there together. So we're really excited going into it. Um, I, was feeling good fitness wise. I was pretty fit run wise. Like I got myself to a point where me and my coach were feeling pretty good about it. So I was like, if I could shoot for the top five, I'd be elated at Disney. I'm like, there's a lot of people there. Um, I'm not strictly a marathon runner. Mm-hmm. I'm like an Ironman athlete. So I'm like, if I could place in the top five at Disney, that'd be mm-hmm. epic. You know, it'd be fun. And you know, and so um, we went out yeah. there to have fun. And you know, I was, I 
asked if I could be in the elite field because I figured, you know, if I'm in the top five, yeah, I feel like I could make the top five. That's probably an elite. So I submitted a time. And um, at first they didn't have me in the elite field because something got messed up. But then they looked at the time and they're like, okay, you qualified. So I got into the elite field and I had a terrible, we had to get up at 2.30 in the morning. Um, that's the only yeah. thing about that race that's kind of whatever, but the rest of it's mm. awesome. Um, pretty cool scene, really <laughs> yeah. exciting. It's like beautiful there. Um, so we go into the race and, and I had a terrible sleep the night before I didn't sleep at all. I, don't think, I had a migraine, didn't sleep at all. Really weird. I'm like, this is worse than any Ironman like sleep I've had, but I'm like, whatever. I woke up that morning oh, no. and I like, got up. I literally probably slept for like 15 minutes. I got up and all of a sudden my headache went away and like, we were all pumped and we're all having a good time on the way to the venue. And it was just like, you know, I was feeling pretty good, you know, I, even though I didn't sleep at all, I feel pretty good, you know? And I'm like, it's just a marathon. It's not an Ironman. So, I mean, there's that. At least I don't have to get in the water, you know, <laughs> that's always a nice like plus, you know, it's a great, yeah, yeah. it actually helps a lot. <laughs> so I get the temperatures perfect. Um, we're starting in the dark, which is really cool. So we start, we start out, I'm in the front. Um, I see people take off my plan. My race plan was to negative split the thing. I was trying to shoot for like a below a 255. Um, that was my projected, you know, what I've been training to do. Mm-hmm. So I, my, you know, our, our paces were, you know, head out at a 640. And if you can drive it down those last 13 miles, because the point was negative split, then that's what we're shooting for. If it doesn't happen, like, don't worry about it. And my coach is like, no pressure, but let's try for a 640 to start mm-hmm. for the first like half and then like drive it down. So I'm heading out and like, there's some people that go ahead of me and like, I can't tell how many girls are ahead and I'm doing that 640 pace. It's feeling pretty good. I'm just like, I just need the average to be 640. So if I'm slipping into 645, no big deal. So I'm doing a first average, you know, and I'm feeling pretty good at the 640 minute mile. I'm like, okay, race plan's going well. Um, I see a girl up ahead of me. I can see her in my sights, but I'm like, now's not the time to try to like run her down because you know, you got a long way to go and it's like, let's just, mm-hmm. you know, try to drive that pace down and you got to stick to your plan. Cause really the, the time goal was, was my time was my goal. It wasn't to win, you know? So I'm like, and wherever that set yeah. me up, that set me up. Like if that set me up in third, I'd be elated, you know, but wherever that time was going to be, was going to be where I ended up. So I'm running and I'm like, you know, and I get to mile eight or nine and, and we went up this hill and I kind of reeled the girl in and, um, I couldn't tell what place she was in. I didn't know if she was like in fourth or second or first or four, you know, fifth or whatever. So I'm like, but I knew she was in the front end and I'm like, so I reeled her in without really trying. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to pass her, even though I really don't want to be passing people yet. Like it's not a good place to be in at mile nine. Like, especially if she's like in second or first place, like that's not. So I passed her like right after Magic Kingdom, I think, um, which is epic if you ever run through there. It's, it's so cool. It's in the dark. It's all lit up. It's amazing. There's like a crowd. It's unbelievable. I was crying going through there. But anyway, so I passed her right oh. after that. <laughs> and then I started to see um, – and I and usually when I pass people, like I have this like habit of having people just stick with me and then I'm stuck with them for the rest of the marathon. And we're like racing like for a marathon and it's awful. So I'm like – She's probably going to stay with me if I pass her, but she ended up kind of falling back, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to keep in this spot. She fell back. That's kind of weird. I thought she would have kind of hung with me, but you know, whatever. And so um, I'm just going mm-hmm. along. And then I see that the leads, there's a cyclist. And I'm like, is that the lead cyclist? Like, could this be in first place? <laughs> and I'm like, no, maybe it's just some cyclist that's like, 
out here like cheering people on. Yeah. That was where my head was at. And then I realized I'm like, he's just like staying with me. So, I, I mean, I was pretty sure. I'm like, he's the lead cyclist, I'm pretty sure. And there's a couple guys that are with me the whole time that we're running. And, you know, and I'm just, so I'm just clipping away and I'm like, I think I'm in first place. And so I go from mile like 10 to 16 and I hear over the walkie talkie with the cyclists, them say, uh, second place is at, just crossed mile 15 at, uh, whatever, however many minutes back. And I go, Oh, like, and I go, what place am I in? They're like you're in first. Like, because I was getting confused. Cause I'm like, I didn't realize we were at mile 16. So I was actually ahead of that girl when I thought we were just coming up to mile 15. So that I got confused and I'm like, and the guy oh. next to me was like, you're in first. Like, are you adding my, and then I'm like, okay. So then I, so then I'm like, all right, great. Now I'm like, I got 10 more miles to go and I'm in first. This is not the position I want to be in. <laughs> really? I would never have thought that. And what's that? What? I guess so. I guess so. Like, <laughs> I'm like, this is not the position I want to be in like at all. Like I, there's people just now going to be tracking me down and you know, I'm like running scared. So I'm just like, you yeah. really need to put together, like, Let's just keep it together. Um, just pretend you're not in first for sure. Don't don't even think about that. Just maintain your pace. And I was getting updates about how far back the next person was. And they were saying three minutes, three and a half minutes. I'm like, okay, well, if that's a new girl, that's that may be scary. But if that's the girl I passed, it's a whole different story. Because that means I gained three minutes on her. And if I'm going this pace, I don't have to go faster than this pace. Who's giving I can just the stay updates. here and it's yeah. solid. The guy in the bike. Okay, so he's updating. He's like, just like, hey, Katie, just so you know, you got a three-minute gap right now, and if it closes, he'll tell you yeah. it's a two-minute gap. They'll, they'll, they were just getting. You could hear the the person update the walk the their in their walking. So he's not telling say, you. You're just listening in. I'm hearing yeah. it. I'm hearing it. And then if I asked him, he would tell me. Like if I said, how long am I back? He'd be, he'd say three and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. And I even asked him. I said, is it the girl that I passed? He goes, I think so. He, he wasn't sure, but he's like, I, he was giving me info. Yeah. And the guys next to me that were running with me the whole time, they're like, you've got a half a mile on the girl. Like they were like, they were like, wow, that's awesome. You know, they were being really cool to me. <laughs> so, so the, the cyclist was so awesome. I mean, he was like such a gem, you know, he did such a good job, like leading the way. Cause you can't really, you know, it's dark and, and there's a lot of twists and turns. So I'm like, okay, I'm in a pretty good position mm -hmm. here. You need to just keep it together. And don't mess this up. So you're not really going to go for your goal time right now because you could end up on the side of the road with that. That's a push for you, you know? And so if you're three and a half minutes ahead and you're doing fine at the pace you're going, you don't have to start going faster and drive the pace down. You just need to stay right here. And this is pretty comfortable, you know? So I was pretty comfortable. So I'm like running along and, you know, and um, we had a turnaround and I saw that she was quite a ways back. And so it just, miles are ticking away, miles are ticking and I'm still keeping the lead and I just can't believe it. And like, I'm like, I can't believe I'm still in the lead. And people are saying like first place female. I'm like, I'm really the first, like, is this really happening? Like, this would be so cool if I won this and like Mike's here, Bella's here and his whole family's here. And like, you know, they love this. Like mm -hmm. they're like pumped on this race. And like people actually know about this race. So, so I come in and I'm like mile 20, it's ticking away. We go through Blizzard Beach or wherever that area was. And I see how far back the next girl is. And I'm like, okay, like, I think if I just keep this, I just got to keep it together. Like, just don't mess this up. And I just kept running. And once I got to Epcot, I was just like in shock. I'm like, I think I may win this thing. Like, I, I think I may win it. <laughs> and the cyclist next to me, and he's like taking pictures of me and video. And he's like, first place girl. And, and all these people are cheering. And I get to the last aid station 
in that song, I get knocked down, yeah. but I get up again. And I'm thinking about the crash and I'm thinking about Mike and Bella are out there running. And I'm thinking about all the times I've, you know, come up short and all this. And that song's playing and the biker goes and he goes, all right, this is where I leave you. Like, go get it. Yeah. Like, go get the win. It's at the, and I'm like, right. I just started bawling. I'm like, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Like, you're such a big help. And then I just ran down that shoot and like, it was just epic. It was so cool. You just gave me goosebumps I, and, with that. And the thing that got me really. <laughs> I'm so excited oh, for you. You're so awesome, dude. Like the thing that got me going though was the lady says, as I'm running through, she says, here she comes 43 years young. And I was just bawling. Cause I'm like, you know, when you turn 40 and you turn, you know, people make it like a death sentence for athletes. And it's just like, you hear that so much. And it's like, you're constantly trying to like, like tell yourself, like, you're not too old. You're not, that goes through my mind all the time. And like, and it's just tough, you know? And so you're like, I'm never going to win a race at this age. You know, like I just always think that. And it's like to be coming across that line at a race that people actually know about at that age Mm -hmm. to show people, like if you're 40 or over, like you can still do this. Like it's all right. And if you crash into a deer, you can still do this, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You showed them. Yes. Yes. You just got to give everybody like the big middle finger. Like, this is what I have to say for you. Yeah, like, like for all the 40 year olds out there, I, like, I feel bad. It's like you can still like be successful. You know, you can still have your best times, you, you know. It depends yeah, on when you start, to too, uh, you know, especially if you start later. It's like, you know, well, I think you can always improve, I, I think runners and triathletes actually hit their prime in the 30s and 40s. It's not like a young man, yeah. young girl game. It's, it, you no, know, you, not at all. Right. Uh uh-uh. uh. No. Definitely not. I mean, you're seeing people like crazy, like world championship events, 35, 36 years old, 39, Jan Fredeno, you know, 40, whatever old he right. is. Tim O'Donnell, T-O. you know, second place at Kona, yeah. like what, 39? Right. I mean, that is like, those people inspire me, you know, because it does get, you know, a little redundant with the age thing, you know? And so, yeah, it's, it helps me. I, I got, I got a fun T.O. story for you. Um, he had his heart attack uh, he, two summers ago, right? While doing a uh, triathlon. And so as he's uh-huh. on the uh, recovery, um, God, what's his wife's name? I know it too. Cause I, uh, Rennie? No, Rennie's the dog. Yeah. 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 Tim and Rennie. No, Rennie. Rennie mm-hmm. is doing Timberman and I'm in Timberman and I know he's there and I'm yeah. I'm in the corral waiting to go, waiting for the pros to go, and I had to pee. So I took about a 15-foot walk towards the school <laughs> just so I'm not like in the crowd of everyone. And I relieved myself yep. in my wetsuit because I wasn't able to go yeah, into the water. So not a big deal. Absolutely. So I relieved no. myself. And as I'm doing this, I'm looking in exactly where I'm standing. The pro woman just took off. Tio walks right by That's- where I would have been. And I was yep, like, damn, why yep. did I go You're pee? Like, T.O. What? was going to walk by me and I'd be like, Tim, come on the podcast. You had a heart attack. This is going to be great. Oh, yeah. I mean, you should get – he's unbelievable. And I just – yeah, to do what he did in that World Championships too, second place, I mean, after being there so many years, I was right. just so impressed with that performance. Unbelievable. But I was in that – was that the year, not this past summer, but the summer before because I was there. It was the first the one back. Yeah, it was the summer yep. of 21 – 
Yeah, yep. 21. Where it was super hilly and we were supposed to have a hurricane and all this. And I had. Remember there was going to be a hurricane and, right, and, and, and I'm like walk. freaking out. Yeah. And I'm checking the weather like unbelievable. And Mike and I are like, oh my God, why is this happening to us every time? It, it, was, <laughs> it was my best run ever too. And it was rainy and windy and it was cold. And yep. I ran. It was my yep. best half marathon for a um, triathlon, put it that way. That is I ran awesome. much faster than the single. That's awesome. But the swim was my worst because I go, I, it's local. So I drove to Laconia the day before. I do the bike setup and everything. And then I had nothing to do. So I went, came home and I just went to the pool and I did like maybe 300, right. 200 yards. I don't uh-huh. know. I, I actually met a guy who became our guest there. His name is Mark Dubrick. I don't know if you heard of Mark. And I'm talking to him and I get up and I leave. And it's 8 p.m. and I realize I left my goggles at the pool. And I'm like, crap, oh, these are my goggles. My- are you kidding I- me? These are my race goggles. Did, and I didn't Did you have them do an announcement in the beginning? Because they'll do that. They'll be like, Does anyone have a pair of goggles? No, I didn't. For a poor soul. That this happens every <laughs> race. Does anyone have an extra wetsuit? Right. For the poor soul. I've heard wetsuits, dude. Like that people forgot. My first, I'm like, oh my well, god. My first half Iron Man, oh, they were no. handing out goggles because Zone Three was a sponsor. And I'm like, maybe there'll be goggles. But you're like as, <laughs> as a as a backup, I go to Walmart and I bought like ten dollar goggles. And I don't even get to test. Oh, that's them. so funny! And they were—they ended up being. The oh worst. my gosh! I was too nervous to what a ask nightmare. someone for goggles, and I'm like, "These will work." And I start swimming, right. and the whole entire left eye fills up with water. So I try to fix it, but I can't fix it. Nightmare. And then I—I I say to myself, "I think I'm just gonna quit and turn around." I'm like, "I can't do that. I'm just gonna suffer through right. the swim and swim with my head above water." Yeah, you have no choice. I eventually, yep. maybe 200 yards in, I hit a kayak, and I said. Can I hold on to your kayak for a second? I just got to, I don't. As long as it doesn't move. Right. I just got to kind of fix this. I mean, he's volunteering (laughs) there and I was able to fix my goggles and this other girl pulls up to the kayak and she's like hyperventilating, like just can't pull herself together. I, what do you call it? I treaded water there with her for one minute just to kind of collect myself. And I'm like, Hey, we got this. It, we don't need to break any records. I'm going to try to fix these goggles and you're going to try to... And she goes, okay. And then we started up again together. I never saw her again, but the rest of my swim See, it's went it's the fine. people. That's one thing I think people get so nervous before the Ironman event, but then you get out there and you realize like, you're just going with the flow. There's so many people out there like with you, like volunteers and everything. It's almost like you don't feel as alone. Yeah. You know, It can be, feel pretty isolating like before that gun goes off. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh my gosh, it's so scary. But like, then you realize once you're out there, like just, you end up like sometimes like talking with people or like, you know, yo-yoing with someone on the bike or whatever it is. Like, hey buddy, good job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and you know, or volunteers when you're running through the tent and they're like putting suntan lotion on you, it makes you feel less like yeah. nervous, I feel like, or like something like that, that happened to you. Mm-hmm. It really helps. It was fun. I find the halves are a little more friendly. Is, oh, I've, I've yeah. only done one. I've only done one full, and that full is in another country where the uh, their first language They're isn't even English. Over there. Yeah. So, right. You know, maybe when I do right. like Placid or something in America, I'll get the friendliness. But the halves I've done, I've done a yeah. handful. Yep. It's so just back mm-hmm. and forth on the bike. You're all we're all age groupers. None of us are elites or pros. Yeah. But we're just kind of like having fun, talking about what's coming up or the hill or you know. Yeah, what, it helps. What, what Ironman are you training for? And if someone will go Lake Placid or Mount Tremont, like, oh, I'll be there too. You know, right. look up my bib number. And, exactly. You know, it's a cool community. 
uh, I the running community is great too. The the triathlon community is maybe a little smaller, but it's really cool. And it's uh, mm-hmm. I've 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 had a blast. Made many friends out there doing it. So. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. My next one, I'll be like handing out stickers. Hey, you know, you got a good story. Come on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. You should. That's awesome. People love to talk, you know, like traffic. I feel like the two of you need to coordinate next time you guys do Iron Oh, yeah. Like you guys could be like, oh, are you going to be at this one? We got to meet up. You Are you going to be at this one? That's easy too. You could easily just be like, hey, you're going to be at blah, 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 like Montreal. Because it's easy to meet up. What's your next uh, race if you have one planned? I'm, I'm actually just going to do, um, I'm going to do Providence uh, Marathon. Okay, because I'm still going for that PR that I want, and then I don't know. I remember you said really when we started, you were kind of like on the fence of triathlon again. Like, so are you still on the fence or? I don't know. I'm thinking like, should I go for number twenty? It's like me and me and Mike talk about it all the time. We're like. Do we want it? It yeah. takes up so much of your life. And it's like, I did it for so long since 2011, like so many races. And it's like, it's kind of nice just to be running and like get back to life and we're getting married and it's like, you know, we have a lot coming up. So we're kind of enjoying just not doing Ironmans for a minute, but I have a feeling we'll both be back. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I'd like to see him qualify for Kona and it'd be really cool. Like to see him out there again. And So is he at that level too? He is. He so he was really doing well there went before St. George and then he had a tough run out there because that course is is crazy but I do think he has the potential to make it to Kona yeah definitely but it's going to take a lot of work you know it's a lot of work you know it's you know but I do think he has the potential to do that yes on the right day and everything absolutely I do well if you're going to be if you're going to be sticking to the marathons you need to uh let me know which okay. ones you're going to do I'm doing Maine Coast on the same day that you're doing Providence, though, so oh, I won't be able to do that. You are? One, is that a good – is that a full? Uh, yes, it's a full. Yep. Um, they do Saturday half and a Sunday that full. That sounds cool, too. I've done it before, but they they um switched the course up since the last time I did it. I did it in okay. 2015, and I think it's a little bit different okay. from this time. But yeah, I'll definitely Yeah, definitely. I'd love to hear about it. <laughs> I think I'm doing um, – I'm doing Clarence DeMar in uh, the Keene area oh, coming cool. up in September. All right. So, you got to... so I'll get to see oh, your old yeah. stomping You get ground. some races coming up then. Well, that's awesome. We got to get you into triathlon mm-hmm. too. I'm just kidding because I heard the last podcast where you're like, Doggy we paddle. are going to get Erica <laughs> yeah, into <he's> triathlon, <laughs> doggy paddle. And I'm sitting there like, yes, yes, let's get her into it, dude. She needs any advice. We got this. I swear it will yeah. happen soon. I just I haven't committed to one yet. And so if you got the running bug, yeah. that's just as fun. <laughs> yeah. Like she 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 has recently in the past couple of years got the ultra running yes, bug. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Oh nice. I'm working Sweet. on that too. Definitely um, okay. easing my that's way awesome. into it. <laughs> I didn't I the I was thinking about it, but I the longest I did was a fifty K, which is just like thirty three miles. And the one I did, one of the ones I did, it's called the Speed Goat 50K. It's like 12,000 feet of elevation gain and loss because this yeah. is out in Utah, and like Snowbird Mountain. And it took <laughs> oh me literally, it took me seven hours and 39 minutes. So they're like, it reads like a 50 miler. Like it was, you know, and other ones I did took me five hours and 12 minutes or something. So this one was like Elevation's super hard. No like joke. it was a lot of hiking and we're <laughs> going to the peak like multiple times. But that's as far as I went with that because I got into the Ironmans. So maybe someday, That's I don't know about the hundred milers though. Now that I'm like, you know, Heather Jackson. Yes, I know. I She's know. She's been doing Heather. those now. I don't know. 
Yeah. She's from New Hampshire. So it's like, right. awesome. she's a really cool person, by the way. Like I've, I've talked she to her won once Lake twice, Placid, you know, just because right? we're racing in the same field. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Multiple times. And she's such a, that girl's the biggest badass. And she's also one of the most humble athletes I've ever met and is wicked cool. But now she's doing ultra marathons and I saw her at the end of a hundred miler, the one she did. And I'm like, I don't know after seeing that picture, if I could do that because she just looks so tired and like, uh-huh. she is such a beast and she is so tough. I'm like, I wouldn't make it like just by looking at that picture. Like it just looks brutal. dude. This girl, Erica, this girl's a badass. So I don't know, maybe like a 50 miler. Absolute mm-hmm. badass. She's Exeter, New Heather Hampshire, Jackson. Right? She's unbelievable. Heather she has, yeah. Exeter, New Hampshire. She has won so many Ironmans and so many half Ironmans and, such a big force at Kona, and now she's doing ultra running. She's unbelievable, unbelievable, like, and this really is, cool. This has been fantastic, sure. and and I, I have a feeling we could go for another yes. hour and a half. I need, I need I to, know, we need to so have awesome. you back, and we haven't even talked about Kona, so maybe, maybe some, maybe in the fall around oh, yeah. Ironman World Championships, which are in Kona or are they not in Kona this year? Yeah, aren't they going somewhere else? Uh, for the men, see, I thought for the men yeah. they're going to Nice, and the okay. women are going to be in yeah. Kona, which is it has ooh. to just stay in Kona. I'm okay with them doing that. the men's race we'll and the see. women's race yeah. in separate days. If that, right? Yeah, that was so cool. Actually, that the was only person cool, who hated it was Scott because he had a race yeah. with all the women. But our buddy Scott, uh, he finally qualified after trying for so long, and he's like, <laughs> he's like, I'm in, yeah. Kona. I'm going to Kona, baby. And then, oh, I got a race yeah. on Thursday. He wanted to get to race with the Kona experience. I think of like the single race. It, it wasn't. The I men totally or the women, understand. He yeah. finally did Kona, and we're going to have him yep. on in a couple of days, actually, to tell us about his Kona story. Yeah. Oh, I'll so listen. That's it's gonna awesome. Be part four. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So when you qualify, yeah. we'll have to get. Yeah, you know, I we'll might be a little ways from qualifying. I might need a little bit of like <laughs> a Ironman foundation, kind of like how a lot of people do at Boston. But whatever works. Hey, whatever. We got to get you a coach. Yeah, well, we'll, get, we'll get me a coach one day. Maybe one of my, give my boys a couple more years to get <laughs> yeah. older and then when I can really commit to it. Yeah. But uh, honestly, yeah. That's, that's a huge thing. So, yeah, for sure. You told us you have some amazing stories. So yeah, we'll have you back on because I think there's many more stories outside of yeah. just Kona. But you're like, oh, I could talk for hours and for days about running and racing and Code Browns and just stories. So that would be awesome. Oh, absolutely. I'd love to. Well, that was, that's quite the amazing story. I think the deer's okay. The bike's destroyed. You're fine now. You're winning races. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What a story. I'm so happy you said yes to coming on. So, oh, so we fun. have two final big questions we asked everyone. I gave you a little bit of prep. So yes. mine, I think, are easy, okay? I picked two Instagram pictures, actually, this time. But one is you oh. and a dog driving. And then the other okay. one is you and your cat. Okay. Oh, wait, let me see the one. Oh, me and Riley. So Erica's the big oh. cat girl. I'm the big dog That's guy That's me and here. Riley. Tell us about your pets. <laughs> well, the dog isn't my pet. <laughs> that, it's it's a triathlon-ish story. So my buddy Clint um, had a house. So I was doing Oceanside, California, 70.3. And my buddy Clint had a house out there in Huntington Beach. Like So we used to stay there. And he w- we would drive out together. And I don't remember what his dog's name was, honestly, but that was his dog. And it's just a selfie that I snapped on the way to that race. We were driving out there. You got rolling with my homie, hashtag Sherpa dog. Oh, the best Sherpa out there, probably. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yup. And so, yeah, so I don't even remember the dog's name. It was so long. It was a while ago. It was probably 20. Yep, March 29th, 2016. I, I, creep, um, yeah, so, I, I just keep scrolling. and So that was right before. Yeah, that was right before <laughs> Oceanside. We were heading out to Oceanside. And so that was on the way there with my buddy Clint, who's he's a great buddy of mine. He's he's into Ironmans. Like, we've, you know, we've been we've known each other through that for a long time. And then um, the one with Riley was just me and my cat Riley sitting in my kitchen and he just sat on my lap. I'm like, I got to get a photo of this because this isn't happening often enough. And I just snapped shot a photo. Erica has a couple cats my, and one's Maisie. We call Maisie the, the podcast it. mascot Aww. or something like that because she'll always jump up on our laps when we're Aww. recording and stuff. And she'll, she'll oh, go I right up that. to the microphone and she'll be like... She loves playing with cords. <laughs> oh, I love cats. I love cats. <laughs> I don't know if you could hear her, but I have her. Um, I'm in a, my spare bedroom, and I shut the door so they. Right, can't that's what I did. I did, and I could just hear her scratching, and I'm just like, oh, I don't know if the mic can pick this up. I couldn't hear her, there, but like I did the same on. thing. I went to the guest room, <laughs> good, good, and had just shut the cats out because we have another cat too, Toby, who's cute too. So uh, we have a Spotify playlist and we like to ask our guests if they would like to add a song, just something that either pumps you up or if you like to listen to songs while you run or swim or bike, anything like that. Just something that g- gets you motivated to to work out. Okay, so best. this might already be on your playlist because I don't, this is one of my favorite like running, like whatever, workout songs ever. And if, if you don't have it on there, this is just uh-huh. a gift given to everybody right. it's just waiting for you um i'm sure you have it though yes. till i collapse by eminem that's my absolute favorite i don't know if we have like, this one song. and if you listen to the lyrics it's just like it just like it's so like marathon and iron man like it's like eminem's just writing these songs for us i think like i don't know I'm like have you ever done an iron man eminem because you're dead on with how it feels. So till I collapse, you did not have that song, and it's yours. Oh now. yes, I'm so sorry. That one is yours. Please song. listen to it next time you're working out. I mean, if you're okay with explicit language, absolutely. But it's amazing. <laughs> oh, I put the explicit one it's on there. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> if you're that. ever, that is my go-to if I'm ever having a hard time, like when the chips are down, when I got to pull out all the tricks. That song, for sure. That's awesome. So. That is perfect. This is exactly what we're looking for in our songs on our playlist. Like we want that kind of music that's just going to get you through whatever you need I to think get it's, through. It's dude, perfect. I think it's a good recommend for sure. You are awesome. Thank you so much <laughs> yes. for coming on. I can't wait until we talk to you later this year. Oh, thank you guys. We- yeah, we we need a Katie part too. We have to. So start compiling some more stories and stuff. Yeah, Erica, I'll be looking Absolutely. out. I'm about to. I'm about to make an announcement on whatever I choose to do this fall. Uh, Erica is pretty much getting me to do my first ultra marathon. I think I'm going to do a 12-hour race, so that's coming up. Yeah, yeah, Whoa. that's big. But that same race, Erica's doing a 30, so. <laughs> wow, nice. Right. Okay. She's going for the buckle. That is so cool. I want the so, buckle, and, yeah. Uh, Need it. Go for it. Thank you so much, Katie. Yeah, we're going to have you on again soon, so start compiling your stuff. <laughs> Katie, you're awesome. Thank you for coming on the pod. Thanks, you guys. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed listening to Katie. She is probably one of the most badass athletes we have talked to, and I was so excited to just hear how she bounced back from that back injury. Can you believe that? Wild. So wild. Wild. Is she our first pro? 
Addie was a pro. Uh, well, wait. What about Mark, too? Mark was up there. Mark. Do break. Mark's a pro. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Go, well, we're 49 episodes in. I know. Right. It is kind of hard you to keep track. To, right, yeah. Yeah, but oh my God. Not our first pro. Okay, She's cool. just out there killing it still. Like we, we teased in the beginning, she was uh, out there doing Eastern States 20 and fourth female overall. Like she did it an hour faster than yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> an we're, entire hour. That's nuts. We're going to have her back. Hey, we only got three minutes until our next oh, guest yeah. jumps on. But I need to have. I need to ask you a quick question. Sure. What size is your shoe? <laughs> I am a ten in women's. Really? What's that in a men's? <laughs> uh, pretty sure it was around a nine, right? Or well, I'm a nine. I know you are. I'm a nine. Just wearing my other I, shoes. <laughs> I just well, be earlier, even earlier than that. I wanted to run up to the truck to grab something, and I saw your UFO slides. Mm-hmm. Shout out to UFOs. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I can manage about a 20-foot walk in these. And then I'm like, they fit. They, they fit must be perfect. Brandon's. But then I looked at Brandon's sneaker, and it's like twice the size. Yeah, Brandon's got like a 13 or a 14. Like, it so, depends on the shoe. So do I have small feet, or do you have big feet? I feel like I have pretty normal feet for women. I feel like I, feel I have like normal yours feet are, for guys. No, I feel like yours are a little on the small no, side. No, I look at Ashley's shoes and they're what so tiny. Well, I, don't know. I am not a tiny person. I am 5'9". My size 10 feet fit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that was an awesome interview. Yes. And guys, the big one next week, episode 50. You're going to love it. We have a big time guest for it. So I'm I'll even so have excited. a book review for you guys after. He wrote a book, another author. <laughs> Don't but he's, give it away. Don't all right, I won't give it away. <laughs> Real quick, if you guys like what we do, follow us on Instagram at On The Runs. We are doing the Riverside Reels now. I keep pointing at the at the screen. <laughs> well, they're going to see what it I now. Doing? They're going to see it, so that's good. We got those. Uh, sh- if you want and you want to come on the podcast, shoot us an email or slide into the DMs, but our email address is a Gmail address. It's on the runs pod P-O-D at gmail.com and uh we got a big event coming up soon your 10 miler yes i want all of you there see here i go pointing now (laughs) i want to see everybody there uh it's on saturday may 13th it's the total image running 10 miler and 10k we are a dog friendly event a stroller friendly event uh it's a very nice scenic out and back course and starts at arms park in manchester 8 a.m on that Saturday, May 13th, I think I already said it, but just to make sure. So, um, And there'll yeah. be porta potties there, right? There will be yes. porta potties. Hopefully, yes, I won't make you wait like Melinda. Yeah, not, n- <laughs> not like not like your 20 mile or the Eastern States and everyone was in a porta potty line. Yeah, that was rough. So, you guys should hopefully have a better All right, go guys. at it. So. Hey, have a great Join week. <laughs> Thank you for listening, guys. Episode 50 coming up next week. Can't wait. See you then. Don't forget to stretch. got to remember though mickey might be listening mickey mouse i know did you just hear speaking of mickey 
they're replacing Mickey as like the official mascot because he's going to be um, not under copyright anymore. I just read that like yesterday. What? Yeah. You're reading like fake it's news. The most though. random thing. That is so sad. Are you sure that's real news? I, I swear. Uh, I will try to find it. I think it, the new mascot is going to be like Figment. He's like a dragon or something. I swear. Oh, yeah, Figment, you're ma- yeah, Figment's cool. Whoa, but that's does huge. That, does that sound right? Oh. Well, I think, I don't think like next I year, think like next 10% year of the people who go to Disney World know who Figment is. <laughs> Everyone knows who Mickey is. I've Not never heard of I know who actually. Figment is. We went on the Figment ride. It was I, awesome. I did the Figment oh, ride too. It was ride. great for cool. my two year olds. <laughs> It could be cool. fake news. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think it's fake. News. <laughs> yeah, I know. If Figment's gonna be, it's oh. fake news. So. so I totally lied. Snopes just it says no. Mickey Mouse is not being replaced. 